Thank you to An Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. It is December 21st, 2018, and we're talking Star Wars Clone Wars, chapters 21 through 25. My name is Zach Weber. Tonight, I am joined by the ultimate Attack of the Clones hater, Zenger. Defend the city, we must. That was a brief one. But yes, folks, I know last week I said that this would be the John Justice episode, but I realized, A, we never concluded our Star Wars Clone Wars discussion or series of discussions. And two, I figured, you know what, let's start off the new year with John Justice. And just so John gets some more plugs, he has a new book out called Embark. Uh, check the show notes for links. It's called Embark, available on Amazon. It's both a digital and a physical release. I think maybe by this time the audio book is out, but don't hold me to it. It will make a great holiday gift, but you forgot to get it for somebody, so get it as a belated holiday gift. Bingo. Belated being the key word in that sentence. New Year's gift. New Year's gift. There you go. Anyway. Um, new Year's resolution is to read more books. Well, I've got a book for you. First, before we get into our topic at hand, there's just uh, one thing I want to bring up. As everybody knows, uh, we've been talking about doing mugs on this stupid podcast for a while now. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, I finally did my my research to seeing how much those would cost and how much it would ship. It would cost for basically for us to ship those to you. Uh, this is the part that's not so fun. I'm uh, the mugs themselves aren't that bad in price. The issue is shipping them to you, plus the cost of just boxes, uh, padding to make sure you don't get a pile of just ceramic chunks. Basically, Which is what I hope for, but whatever. Well, that could be Zenger special. That, that's the extra super duper exclusive edition. It's the one that smashed to a bunch of pieces thanks to the that's, U.S. Postal that's Service. That's the Zinger Watch Clone Watch Attack the Clones before sending this to you, box. Yeah. Okay, the cost of the mugs would be around. Again, I know this is a little uh, extravagant, but it would be around thirty bucks per mug. $30 U.S., and that would only be in the U.S. I'm um, sorry for any of our international listeners. I think uh, for what it would cost to ship it to you, you probably could order a case of mugs. So I'm not even going to offer it, not in that sense. So to poor Knight, because I know he's the one probably the most excited about this, if you are willing to spend $30 for a Knights of Vader mug, it is yours. Basically, I need at least four people to sign up for a mug. And we'll be able to do it because I think anything less than that, it becomes an issue. Just it's not it's not enough bulk quantity to get any sort of deal from who I'd be getting them from. I know probably some of you are saying 30 bucks for a mug. That's awful. And I agree with you. I wouldn't be buying a mug for that price. But the place where I'm getting them from is somewhere where I've gotten things uh, printed before. I really like what they do. There is some quality here. It's not a, a third rate screen printing business. So. If you're interested in the mug, I'll post the. It's the same. It's the same art that was posted last time. It's it's the pork knight designs. I'm calling it. If you if you yes, it's the pork knight design, and it seems that one people are excited about. So if you're on board for thirty dollars for a mug, that does include shipping. And if we get at least four of you to sign on, and once again, if you're willing to spend thirty dollars US, 
we can do this. And it's going to be, and think of it this way, it'll be super duper exclusive limited because I doubt there are that many of you that would want to spend $30 on a mug. So that's just out there. Um, if we do get four people, if, if we get more, I have no problem doing more than four. It's not like, oh, if we get four, it's capped at that level. So basically all we need is four. I would, so, but again, not holding anybody to it. I don't blame anybody if they don't want to do it. And for the record, um, at 30 bucks, we would, we would be selling these at cost. There's no profit here for us. So it would basically be 30 bucks for you to show your love of the podcast, which if anybody does sign up, we would be eternally thankful for. But there you go. Uh, in the meantime, we are looking at other things that are a little less expensive, maybe some keychains, some stickers. Uh, one proposal is a Knights of Vader blanket. Uh, you can actually get a blanket, and I'm actually really tempted to get one of those because I really like how it looks. But that is a topic for another day. Moving on to other topics, last week was Festivus, a happy belated Festivus. Zenger, who won the feats of strength? I did. That out yet? I you always won. do. You always do. You pin me down? Yes. Okay, that's not how I remember it, though, but who am I to contest the, the Porg lover-in-chief? Porgs help me. They came to my head. Power of the Porg. So, Zanger, you said you forgot, and before we started recording, you said that you forgot a, a grievance of yours? Oh, I, I had a few. I forgot to complain about video games not existing anymore that are Star Wars-related. Like, it seems like everyone that seems good, they immediately cancel, but that's... But I just wanted to point that out. And then the other thing I wanted to point out is Weird Al, Weird Al Yankovic, calling you out, calling you out on this podcast. You did a great job long time ago with parodying Star Wars. We need that again. We need parody back in Star Wars. I would not remember that he was nine and she was 14 if it was not for your song. You need to come back to Star Wars and save it. So Weird Al, my grievance is against you for not parodying Star Wars more. So you want basically Weird Al to be abused? No, he would save us. But didn't the poor nonsense he have to go through working for Disney? He, he doesn't have to work for them. He just has to come in, make a parody song, make fun of anything, and, and there we go. We'll have another American Pie parody. He doesn't have to do American Pie again, but I just keep remembering that song because... It's hilarious. I want things. You want things. <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all want things? So I, I will continue these grievances later. But but we should end this year in the best way possible by reviewing the greatest Star Wars series of all time, The Clone Wars. And also, I'd say this should be a yearly thing to see how it, see if anything comes close to it. At this point, I think we're running out. I think we have too many things there yearly. We have the holiday special. We have Festivus. We have the yearly watching of uh, Star Wars, the Clone Wars. <laughs> so basically, I mean, I'll just do it on my own then. <laughs> so I have fifty-two. I like how I have fifty-two episodes a year. At least what three or four of those are devoted to set topics that are that are locked bit down, basically. Yes, that's done. We are doing. We are wrapping up Clone Wars. It's it kind of not that it got lost in the shuffle, but definitely some things happened. We kind of lost track of it. I actually, I wanted to have a person on as a guest host. By, by the way, I never did. I just kept my mouth shut because every week I was going to be like, "This week we're covering." And I figured it would get old real quick. No, well, no, Zenger, no, Zenger's right. I I lost track of it because Zenger would bring it up periodically and be like, "When are we finishing Clone Wars? When are we finishing Clone Wars?" And I kept telling him like, "No, I have a guest host I want to come on," 
And I eventually, like, I kept telling him, like, oh, I got to phrase it to this person the right way or else I won't respond. And after, like, weeks and months of finally figuring out how to approach this person, I approached them and they never got back to me. Not even, like, a no thanks. They just, it, it's, what again, good old uh, other podcasters out there, again, who kind of look down upon you unless you have something to offer them in return. Again, it's, it's funny how we, we all apparently love the same topics, though, but if you reach out to someone and if you're how below there. How dare you talk to me? Basically, it's kind of like, what was the Mean Girls thing? You can't sit with us? Yeah. It, it, kind of, it kind of felt like that in a way. It was just like, oh, this person. And, and they're not a very busy person on Twitter either. So I'm, I'm almost entirely certain they read it. And it was just like, oh, this is below me. Whatever. But anyway, though, it's I tried actually finding, because I'm not sure if, I, I think I mentioned it last week, but the creative director for this, Paul Rudish, I wanted to see if maybe if he was like around, because I, I, I had no idea what he was doing in my research. And I didn't even know this. Until I learned it was that he's actually the the head behind all the new Mickey Mouse cartoons. Oh. Like if you watch the Disney Channel, Paul Rudish is actually like behind the newest incarnation of Mickey, the one that Disney's really kind of putting front and center now. So yeah, keep that in mind, folks. That the guy who's like this that was second in charge of this show is now basically the creative lead on all Mickey Mouse shorts for the last like five plus years. So sure, clearly. Yeah, so Disney definitely recognized talent in him and, kept, and uh, brought him on board. Star Wars Clone Wars, says Zenger. Tell our audience where we left off of Chapter 20. Uh, chapter 20 left off with uh, Keanu Mundi, Shakti, uh, and numerous other Jedis facing off against the formidable General Grievous on Hyporia. And as we pit, and oh, also it leaves with Yoda as a storm brews over Coruscant, going. storm grows. I fear the dark cloud of the sea shrouds us all. Yes. But then we pick up with a with a clone trooper helmet showing a ton of awesome art troopers as they fly in with a awesomely like um, A-10 Warthog painted front end <laughs> of a ship fly in to save today. God, it's just such a cool scene. Well, I think, when, like, okay, so like Xander said, basically, we had the art troopers come in, attempting to rescue the Jedi that are surrounded on Hypori, and this is one of the things I've always, I've always loved this, I think the, the ending of chapter 20 and the beginning of chapter 21 is some of my favorite Star Wars bits in all of the saga, and I think, once again, it's very limited dialogue, it's it's the action. It's it's showing, not telling, which again is very rare in Star Wars. There's always exposition overload. I think another thing that we're really not used to seeing in Star Wars is that a combination that a there's not a lot of dialogue, and b we don't get a lot of special forces stuff in Star Wars. We don't get any of that in the original trilogy era. I love these special forces. They all have these ridiculous like armaments and stuff that you'd never see again basically, but it was so cool when they showed up. And Grievous basically was just kind of like, I guess I'm going to go run for a little bit. Commander, approaching target. Begin jamming signals. Yes, sir. 
approaching droid perimeter. We are undetected. Gun it, sir. Heroes of Star Wars definitely lend a little bit more to special forces. Like again, we have things like Inferno Squad. We did have Republic Commandos, exactly. Yeah. Republic Commandos, like like the New Republic, not the Republic, the Republic era of things definitely had a lot more of that. I I know in the EU there was uh, special forces factions of the Empire, but they never were given kind of the uh, top tier media treatment that things like the Arc Troopers did. Uh, Republic Commandos. Even the Commandos, all they got was that one video game, and that was more or less it, with a couple of books sprinkled in. They also, I thought, were in the other Clone Wars series at one point for like an episode. They're they're ugh, episode. They're in it for about thirty seconds. Because <laughs> that's because they show up when uh, Sauvage Press shows up, and it's basically I, th- I think they they deliver a Jedi's body to Kamino, and that's kind of it. I think only one of them has any sort of uh, dialogue. But no, it's cool. The fact that they are, like, funny, I think I've said before, Star Wars, the Clone Wars, is a very nice bridge between the EU and the movies, or what is now canon, because they were this kind of lifeline, invertent lifeline, mm-hmm. as the EU, EU purge occurred. Xander described the, the Republic gunship as probably the coolest uh, goddamn thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It's it's probably my favorite. They had a toy of it, I thought. Yes, yes, they do. I'm assuming you're getting up to go grab it. Oh, oh, I have multiple toys of it. Ah, yeah. Did make toys of it. They made a three and three quarter inch scale action figure version of it. They made a like a micro machines. I think titanium series. They made even like an in between of that where it was like it wasn't for action figures, but kind of like I'd say. Big, I guess for like the size they of like do a Lego of it. No, they never did a Lego of it. Oh. They did do. Uh, I think Mattel did a, a a version of it for like again a little small miniature version. No, it, I know that version. The Mattel one's shown up in the last couple of years. I've seen that on shelves. No, it's it's one of those designs that does show up often, or more often than you think for an EU product. And even for, I remember when the, the gunship came out in the Hasbro line, I think that came out in 2006, they even released a, 
uh, I think it was a multi-pack. It was called The Hunt for Grievous, and it had a bunch of art troopers in it. That yeah. was that that was difficult. I remember going nuts trying to find that. I remember just going bonkers. And that, I, remember, I think I it was only very few times I actually had to go to eBay to find it because it's just how hard to find. Many months I spent going to Toys R Us yelling at the employees, being like, "You, how can you have the gunship but not have the people who go inside the gunship?" I think both were toy, both were Toys R Us exclusives. R.I.P. Toys R Us. Uh, but no, the gunship is one of the coolest things ever in Star Wars, especially how it moves between. I the- just love when they're sitting there, and the what once again, like the only times the troopers speak is for like when they're saying commands. They don't like ch- unnecessary chatter like another series. <laughs> Sorry, I need to pause and, like, stare. Blaming, once again, I'm not blaming that series. I just like to poke fun at it, because it is hilarious how different these are, but how both of them are unique to themselves. Where, where, where he's like, we, we, need, uh, we need supporting fire, and it crashes through the wall. <laughs> no, you're just The thing is, you see this explosion behind them, and you're like, what the heck? And it's just, nope, it's the gunship again. Then there's the stare down between Grievous and the gunship. But you're leaving out, like much like when Obi-Wan is going up the side of the building with the speeder bike, I don't think you're doing this justice. We'll, we'll play the clip right here. Captain Florida goes, back up now. And the gunship comes through the wall instantaneously. There's no delay. He literally says, back up now. And you can it comes crashing through the wall, like, not even a second later. You, I, I'll, I'll figure out in the timing, but it is, like, a fraction of a second. That's incredible. And so cool. You don't deserve this series. But no, like Zenger said, you have it comes crashing through the wall. You have the stare down between the gunship and General Grievous. And I guess we should mention that uh, when the Ark Trooper, like there is some overlap in the sense of where we see the end of Chapter Twenty and Twenty One, yes. because the Ark Troopers approach Grievous at almost the exact what, like a like moment, yeah, but yeah, mo- moments basically after we last saw Kiati. You got to point out that if it weren't for him. I'm sorry, if it weren't for the ARC Troopers, he dead. Yeah, it is It is a second, maybe. It really is, because it shows the fact that he gra- He has the one lightsaber he grabbed off Grievous' belt from Chapter 20. Oh, no, and I meant, like, like, like the response to that gunship is, like, one second. It, yes, it's, it's, it's very, very, yeah, short amount of time. Kiati is dead. Like, Grievous, like, after all that fight we see from Chapter 20, Grievous dispatches him... Almost, again, instantaneously once we cut back to that sequence of action. Pretty much. Now, there, Now, you want, you want a fun fan theory here? Okay. Remember the part in the previous one where it shows Kiati and he, you see him kind of, like, like, like he's glaring, then he looks down and he looks back up. I'm wondering if that's him sensing there's help on the way. <gasps> oh, that's cool. I like I, that. I, you know what? My... My fan canon says that's how that happens. Is is that that's 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 why he continues to fight because he knows that there's that the troopers are on the way. Because if you time it, that would match up to them being like on the way. Oh, Zenger, my nerd sense is tingling. Yes, perfect, perfectly done. Sh- sh- should I get that checked out by a doctor? You should. Also, 
great, great grievous thing where he's just kind of after the battle. He's just like, yes, run, run. Okay, I, I don't want to jump too ahead. So basically, once all like in, again at this point in the series too, the arc troopers are more or less like godlike. Like you think about like everything we saw them do in the first twenty chapters. And we get to this point, and they're all firing on, like, again, they kind of have Grievous on the run between the gunship and all, like, the the firepower they're throwing at him. Grievous is, like, running through the rubble. But is and, Grievous, like, running, because he's just trying to avoid him. He's not trying yeah. to run away from the battle. That's the thing that I love, is that he is, this Grievous is still one that is, like, I could win this if I get, you know, an opening. When he's, like you said, he's not running away. He's dodging and avoiding all their attacks. And what he's essentially doing is he's circling around because we see him run up the ceiling and he's he's running on the ceiling, which again, so, this entire sequence is so dense, it's kind of hard to pick up on everything. But he's he's dodging and evading all the, the stuff they're throwing at him. He climbs up the wall, lets go, and then kind of lands right in the center of them and he starts wiping out some of the ARC troopers. Mm-hmm. Which at this point in the series, we haven't seen any of that. Dirge couldn't do it. The 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 battle droids, none of them could do it. Because if you think back to the Asajj Anakin duel from earlier, the Ark Troopers weren't sent with him. Nope. That's one of those things where it's like these these kind of omnipotent characters are kind of getting wiped out by an even more. Uh, it's, you kind of have this unstoppable force hitting an unmovable object here. And it's not until Captain Fordo tells them to all pull back and Kiati goes, No, press the attack. Everyone out. No, we must pursue. General, we can't. The survivors will die. We have no time. sir they just might make it and the others they are all dead sir and so eventually they retreat and, and they kind of uh, pull out and i also got jurassic park vibe from when he was on the ceiling and kiati was yelling shoot him shoot him down it, it it sounded very similar to the shoot ha from jurassic park oh i i didn't pick up on that at all it, it just might might be just my internal See, I got to say something extremely amazing and then followed up with something extremely, like, head-scratching afterwards. Un- underwhelming? Yes. There, there, there's, there, there's my moment of zing for the day. <laughs> you have a very unique talent. <laughs> you, you got it early today. They pull out, and from when they first let into the battle, they left a bunch of... of what do you want to call them? I, I want, is there a name for them? They're like bombs? They just they leave charges? Like, um, basically, C4 charges, depth, I mean, charges just, just kind of laying there, which I'm just surprised the droids did nothing about, as I can just look at them. Yeah, I, I always found that weird and peculiar, too, when I would watch this. Like, oh, the droids didn't do anything. Like, like now, if this was a thing, like, if this was a, the, the 2008 series, it'd be two battle droids going, what's that? I don't know. It's blinking. Maybe we should touch it. I don't think so. Like, it, again, it'd be... Wow, it, you actually wrote that scene perfectly. As they're leaving, they blow the charges, basically giving them a path out of the battlefield without being attacked as they hide, like, kind of in the, the shadow or in the cloud plume of the bombs. 
And like Zenger said, Grievous is kind of standing outside the battle, his cloak all torn and ripped, saying his little spiel. Anything else you want to say about that sequence there? No, I mean, it, it was well done. It showed that, you know, there are some Jedi that did survive the attack and everything. Yes. But they definitely, they definitely were not the winners of that battle at all. No. And it's another instance of Shakti um, almost being dead and being saved. Yes. But that, How many times Shakti that died? Okay, let's see here. Let's play this fun game. Uh, she was supposed to die there. She was supposed to die in the original cut of Revenge of the Jedi. I mean, Revenge of the Sith. Um, she was also killed in the Force Unleashed game. Yep. And in canon, I still have no clue what happened to her. You actually for you forgot a death. Oh, there's another one? The one you forgot was there was a deleted scene from Revenge of the Sith with her meditating in the Jedi Temple and Anakin stabs her like through the chest. Oh. I think it's on the Blu-ray. I don't think it's on the DVD. But that I know was, the DVD has the grievous killing her. Yeah, but that one with her getting impaled by Anakin while she's meditating was cut. And I'm pretty sure as the last time I've heard Pablo Hidalgo has said and I know uh, some some of his claims now are up in the air, especially... Involving this series. Yes. So uh, he claims that she was killed during the Jedi Purge. That, that That's all we have to go on. Canon, she's listed as dead. It's funny, after all the times that character would die, come back, die, come back. She's just listed back. as deceased. No explanation, really, aside from uh, the Purge got her? Question yeah. mark? At that point, we cut to... And I think this is one of the more out-of-place scenes. Like, I think this does not fit. But we then go to a scene of Anakin, what looks like Dagobah, with Qui-Gon Jinn, and they're talking. This is the greatest scene ever, by the way, because we get caricature of Liam Neeson. <laughs> it's not a very flattering caricature, is it? It's not, but I find it amusing. Oh, it's definitely amusing, though. But, like, if I were him, I'm like, do I really look like that? <laughs> uh, could you have toned down my nose a little bit? I, I thought it was great. Uh, yes, it is a very out-of-place scene, though. Did you hear that, Master Qui-Gon? Yes, Anakin. It calls to you. The tree? Yes. You must enter it. Alone. I'm afraid, Master. Control your fear. You are the chosen one, and you must be tested. What's in there? Only what you take with you. Your final test is at hand. Trust in the Force. That's one thing about this series, even though there's some spirituality to it, there there isn't a lot. Like it, it's weird because like there isn't I don't want to say okay, there is spirituality in this series, especially the chapters that we're talking about now, 21 and onward. But it's it's weird because is it meant to be a vision? Is it meant to be uh, foreshadowing? Is it meant to show what the future could have looked like if Qui-Gon didn't die? 
it's it's funny if I ever got or kid, maybe he actually took a, took um young Anakin to Dagobah is sometime during episode one and we just didn't see it. Ah, I'm not saying that is true. Yeah, because that's just a that's a very weird. But it also uh, has Yoda basically wake up. So I'm yeah, like assuming that's like a Yoda vision. I, I guess I, I really don't have an answer for that. And I haven't seen anybody really uh, dissect that. I don't know because it, it's so weird. To say, I guess it, it's a it's a vision of the future, but it's not really. It's never brought up again for the rest of the series. It's vaguely brought up. This is the thing. It's like, is that was that Yoda having vision? Was it Anakin? Because a few scenes later, it's got Anakin calling out Obi Wan. That's the peculiar thing. Is that it really doesn't fit? Because it would make a lot more sense if they went from. I, I you do like okay in a sense of editing, you can't just go directly from the grievous thing to Kiati. You need some level of like uh, of you need a moment there. Like, I don't know. Like, I think it would I, be- I feel like it was set there to break up the interactions there and to give, like, a kind of look into Anakin's struggle that he's having. Yeah, you, you do. You, you need a break in the action. But I think there's a way of doing it because that's – it's such a – it's not that it's bad, but it's out of place. And it's hard to discern what its point is. Like, I guess it's supposed to show the, the maybe the trials and tribulations that Anakin will be going on. Yeah, but it, it, it's a weird scene. Like that's a question I really wish someone would have asked Tartakovsky. Just been like, "Hey, like, like, what's up with that scene?" It's like, it's like, wh- like, what were you trying to get at? So after that sequence, we go to the Jedi uh, Council. They're talking about Grievous, and it's it's classic prequel era content where you have a bunch of people sitting in a room talking to each other. Which, as time goes on, I find oddly more entertaining than I did when I was younger. Maybe that'll be the, the brilliance of the prequels. As you get older, you'll find those sort of like deliberate, like uh, you know, I really like like the the legislative branch and stuff like that of this. Actually, if I remember correctly, when we did the Star Wars stuff for Zingness, I said I wanted to look at it in that light of the you know, since they focus so much on these you know inner workings of the Jedi and of the Council, if that's something that makes sense within itself or not. Watching the Jedi Council debate and discuss things is interesting, and I think maybe that's what Lucas kind of missed the point with, with the uh, more of the Phantom Menace than anything else, is that I think that would have been more interesting to people. Watching the Jedi like discuss and debate things is interesting, especially when it has more of a Star Warsy angle to it. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Senate, no. I, th- I think the Senate should be something that's used very sparingly. But watching a bunch of Jedi, especially ones that all look so unique and different, I think that is pay, pay dirt. And I don't, I think that's something that maybe that was a miscalculation on Lucas's part. Was that like, oh, like, again, you want a little bit more of the, it's again, you keep the mystification of Star Wars. Because that's what you think of when you think of like back during the original trilogy era, when you think about the Jedi Order and all this. You want more of that? Like, what was it like having well, a bunch of Jedi around? Well, Not the a other bunch thing, of politicians. the other thing is, it's showing how the Jedi are being pushed to their limit. Oh yeah, definitely. And the fact that they're also losing their their spirituality. Yeah. The, the fact that that they're they're more interested in winning this war than they are about. Like, think about it. The whole point, like with Anakin, Anakin's not ready to face the trials yet. They're more interested in just kind of cranking him out. I think at one point. Uh, I, I, forget, I think one of the Jedi, it might be Kiati, says, like, we need more Jedi. And it's like, okay, 
these bunch of space monks have now moved from a place of spirituality to a to a idea of we have to win the war. Yeah, they and, they've become they fully embrace their roles as generals when they were reluctant to do it in the beginning. Again, going back to something like Red Letter Media and the Plinket Review, they attack the the prequel trilogy for being like, oh, isn't this stupid having a bunch of space monks be Jedi or be generals? And it's like, no, that was the entire point of this. The fact that's why again, the Jedi weren't destroyed just because they looked the wrong way once. It's because they, they were, in a way, corrupt themselves because they lost sight of what they were supposed to be. We may have been exhausted, but when was the last time someone stood up to five Jedi and held his own? This must be dealt with. I agree. This General Grievous is changing the shape of the war. Our numbers were dwindling before, and now this. Yes, we need more knights. I know this will generate debate, but I suggest that in this time of war, we forego the trials and promote my Padawan Anakin to Jedi Knight. This is preposterous. We can't set aside our most hallowed traditions. In this time of need, why do we hold back the Chosen One? Whether or not he is the Chosen One is still to be determined. Hmm, Palpatine has been requesting this for months now. Politicians have no voice in Jedi matters. Well, he is a cunning warrior, and our best pilot. But he is reckless with his gifts. Sometimes in the past, yes. But regardless, Anakin has been through things more difficult than the trials. Surely he passed a trial of skill when he defeated that dark assassin on the fourth moon of Yavin. And he endured an atrocious trial of the flesh at the hands of Count Dooku. <sighs> and he continued to pass every test of courage this war has dealt him. It would seem he would have but one trial left to face. Testing the spirit. Facing the mirror. And that is what concerns me. To walk the path of the Jedi, one spirit must be strong. That requires discipline. And he has often disobeyed you, has he not, Master Kenobi? Did you not disobey me from time to time in your youth, Master Benzisus? A just debate this is. But in these days of war, need all the knights we can. An orthodox young Skywalker's career has been. So too will be his trials. Trust in the Force I do. A knight he shall be. I think that's one thing that wasn't really explored with the prequel trilogy is that Mace Windu, and correct me if I'm wrong, Zanger, I think Mace Windu is supposed to be seen as a villain, like not not like a villain as in like palpy villain, but like I think he is like a low-key villain in the sense of the prequel trilogy. Because he's the one that's trying to stop your your quote-unquote hero at every turn, but he's also being the voice of reason, but from your hero's point of view, he's just hindering him. Yeah, because, like, the whole thing is, like, Qui-Gon finds Anakin in The Phantom Menace, and it's like, he's the chosen one, and nobody's nobody's really arguing that Anakin isn't the chosen one, it's just, oh, he's too old. Yeah. And that's, and that's what it is, it's the fact that they become very black and white, they, they refuse to sit there, look past uh, just his age... And, and that's kind of the whole thing where it's like, oh, they're more concerned about the Trade Federation dispute than all this stuff. Yeah, I, again, I think that's all part of, of Palpy's plan. Well, or We don't know how extensive Palpy's plan is. We, we know oh, it's the comics actually alluded to how extensive it is recently. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I know in the Age of Republic stuff they're talking about how extensive. But Oh, no, 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 no. They've alluded to that Palpatine actually, like they kind of 
low-key confirmed that he's Anakin's father in the sense of he's the one that manipulated Metaclorians well, to form him. Because well, Anakin has a vision of his mother while she's pregnant, and then a ghostly image of Palpatine appears behind her in the comic. Yeah, I, and, I saw that too. I saw that. Which for me, I'm like, whatever. Well, it's a vision. Like, it's, it's you're a you're making this, this, this thing more elaborate than it is. But then it's also pointed out that that world they're on can kind of show you different things. It shows you what you want to see almost. Well, it's a vision. It's a vision of the Force. It does not It does not make it true or not. But it's just something for Star Wars fans that now have a staple to argue on about. So. Oh, definitely. Um, no, but no. I like the Jedi Council conversation. It was, it was cool because if you want to go into the whole, the, the, the true decline of the Jedi, this is showing that they are becoming generals in a war they didn't want to even be involved in to begin with yeah but they seem to embrace their roles a little too much by the end yeah and then that's that, that's what this showing is because they're becoming more of that at the end of the meeting they kind of decide that anakin will become a jedi knight and we cut to anakin like walking the city streets of coruscant and we see him with a bunch of like he's just surrounded by a bunch of just what you call the residents of of coruscant I, I actually enjoyed all the like very unique and very callbacky art you got in, in this, but oh, he's obviously that he's being followed too. And the best part of this, and this is what I really like the most, is that they're all—I don't want to say they're all new designs, but they're not all recycled Macquarie concepts. Yeah, like it's so nice to see Star Wars stuff that's new. Not oh look. It's the Christopher McQuarrie rejected ideas from the 1970s. Again, to this day, I still cannot figure out why the fans live and breathe by rejected concept art from 1975. I, I just don't get how, how that's that is fascinating. True. That's when Star Wars was more true to itself. Oh, yeah. Back, back in 1975, when even George Lucas didn't know what it was. Exactly. Oh, good old Star Wars fan base. But no, as Zenger said, Anakin's kind of walking around. At one point, I wonder if Zenger picked up on this, that one of the characters in the background is actually a Cylon from Battlestar Galactica. Okay, let's let's take a look. Oh, I see it. It's like in a bronze thing. Yeah, it's a bronze Cylon. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got it now. I, th I, I was trying just to get to that scene, and I was like, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool little wink. Um, uh, this scene for me has more emotion and more um, character development of their relationship than the entire uh, episode two did. <laughs> well, also, my... I don't like the uncomfortable feeling this is trying to make me have seeing a droid plated in gold. They they like even do like the wow music. Oh when, yeah. yeah. Well, because you, you think prior to this, because it's not, again, another thing that it's, okay, I mean this just in a way of observing it. I don't mean I want, but it's never really explained how 3PO goes from kind of like his rusty plating in Attack of the Clones to the gold in Revenge of the Sith. And this explains it as, oh, well, I'm helping the senator. Yeah. But again, like, like that's the kind of, like. And that's they, why this series was canon, needs to be canon, because it explains stupid plot holes that only Star Wars fans would care about. Well, the thing about though is that like it doesn't even treat it like a plot hole. It's just like oh, like like Star Wars fans have such a, such an inflated sense that like everything needs to be explained. Yeah, it's like oh, why did C three PO get gold plating? Because he worked for Padme and he had to look nice. Oh, why is Anakin's arm different? We get an explanation for that. Why is Anakin have a star in the face? We get an explanation for that. 
Yeah. The Cylon's also behind C-3PO, too. Oh, cool. How about that? I didn't even notice that. But the whole thing, though, that I was always kind of, like, uh, fascinated by this whole sequence with Anakin. He's, like, surrounded by the aliens. Again, the residents of Coruscant. Is that, like, is that supposed to show Anakin's kind of, like, contempt for other creatures or isolation? Did Anakin ever come across, even in the prequels, as if, like, he hates, like, he does not like the Jedi because they make him high. They hold I him think, back. I think the thing is, he's up, they're, they're trying to portray that he's upset they have to go through this much stuff to be together. Oh, okay. That's what I think this is alluding to. Okay. Because, like, he does have, it feels like he has some level of disdain for the, like, the fellow, like, residents of, or like again, the inhabitants of course. Well, he's just, also a Jedi during war times too, so it's also kind of a disdain for he has to go through all this, and a disdain for the fact that you know he probably is like someone could try to kill me at any point. I guess it's meant to be not. Uh, its explanation isn't supposed to be superficial, but we see three C three PO's gold plating. It's it's nothing exciting about. Obviously, there's some classic prequel banter between Anakin and Padme. Like we shouldn't have to keep our love secret. Something something. You're a Jedi, and while Anakin is doing all this, he gets a uh, a notification from Obi Wan telling him to meet him at the uh, Jedi Council room or whatever it is. And uh, he's frustrated at what Obi Wan's doing. He embraces Padme one last time and proceeds to the Jedi Council. Young one, the council requires your presence immediately. I'll be right there, master. I don't want to go. You must, Danny. I love you. Mm. We should get a C-3PO cloaked in, in a black cloak figure. We should get that. Yes. Um. You also get the him and him and we want having like the little tiff I talked about earlier, where he's like, "You're a Qui Gon Jinn." It's like that, that came out of nowhere. Well, I think that's meant to be. I think that might be the only sort of bridge we have to that sequence with Anakin and yeah, I, I, by the tray. Well, yeah, I pointed out earlier. I'm like, that's the only thing I feel like. But I, I like the overall recovery of you know, I try to live by its teachings and learn from him every day. This, that, and the other. So I'm like, kudos to calling back to that character that we just had for a moment in this. Anakin, you're late. When the council requests your presence, it is always of great importance. If I'm late for another scolding, does it really matter? Scolding? You're not a little boy anymore, but as long as you are my student, you will heed my wisdom. You're right. I'm not a little boy. And as far as your wisdom goes, you're no Qui-Gon Jinn. Master, forgive me, I, I didn't mean... I know. I miss him too. Not a day goes by that I don't look to his wisdom for guidance. I've done my best to pass his teaching to you. And in our time together, you have proven to me that you are capable of all he believed you would be. And now we must leave our roles as master and student. It is time we became... brothers. Master? Because you think about Qui-Gon is mentioned in every single one of the prequel films. Like, obviously, he's a main character yeah. in number one. He's mentioned in Attack of the Clones. He's mentioned in Episode 3. And I know at one point, Jorge even had him appearing as a Force ghost in, in Revenge of the Sith, but it was never filmed. I think in one draft, it was it occurred. But obviously, we all know he basically just kind of gets a, a uh, what would you say, uh, shout out. Yeah. Okay, so basically, like, like Zenger said, they have a little uh, spat. 
we go to uh, Anakin's knighting ceremony. Which is actually really cool. Step forward, Padawan. Anakin Skywalker, by the right of the Council, by the will of the Force, dub the Idu Jedi. Knight of the Republic. Well, we'll point out uh, Mace Windu chose not to be a part of it, though. Yeah, that's that's really noteworthy. Unless only during that ceremony do you have the blue and the green lightsabers. Yeah, like, that's, a, that's a thing, though, with this, like, is that Tartakovsky really wasn't concerned with canon, yet it's interesting that he's not there, which I've never picked up on before, Zenger. Again, let's oh, I have it freeze-framed, actually, right on that scene right now, so that's why I was like, oh, wait, I don't see a purple one. <sighs> bum, bum, bum. Especially since you were talking about him being a villain, so I wanted to... Wanted to really nip, nip, hammer that home real quick. Well, I, I guess I shouldn't say that he's um, a he's villain. A he's evil. He's the bad guy. Anakin did the right thing. But I've always felt that like... Uh, Trying to Mace stop Windu, that old man from getting unlimited power. <laughs> but I've always felt like uh, maybe Mace Windu, I was, I was wrong saying that he's a villain, but I feel like he's always been an antagonist to Anakin. I, I definitely agree with that. Also, I want to point out that if you are trying to help some old person across the street, you should do it. It's very respectful. Also, if some old person is trying to get unlimited power, you should also help them. <laughs> Senior citizens are a national treasure. Stop abusing them by not letting them get unlimited power. What if they shoot blue lightning out of their fingertips at you? All the more reason. Do you want to make <laughs> that person angry? They got something going on have you fight somebody you're obviously not going to win against and then put you in an asthmatic suit and then make fun of you for the next 30, I mean, for the next 25 years <laughs> while looking for your replacement. Well, that too. I think it's fair to say Palpy isn't the best uh, superior in the workforce. Oh. All right. So the very next scene after Anakin becomes a Jedi Knight, we see he gets his little uh, Padawan braid cut off by Yoda's lightsaber. How many times did Yoda mess that up? And that's so I have a lot of Jedi's without ears. <laughs> I'm pretty okay, sure that my one joke's done for the day. I'm pretty sure that one Jedi with like the giant like uh, ta- um, scar on his face. That's what happened to him. Yoda <laughs> kind of had a couple yep. drinks before that nighting ceremony. <laughs> so the lightsaber I'm so face proud of you. We don't talk about those days in the Jedi Temple. No, but I mean, I like this because it's got like a nice little montage afterwards. It's kind of like, well, let's skip ahead in time. Well, no, because the whole you saw you, you cut C-3PO hands the braid to Padme. She puts it like in a, a jewelry box with the little thing that Anakin made her in episode one. The little, was it the carved piece of wood? Yeah. I'm assuming and, it's animal bone, but okay. What is it? I'm assuming it's like some kind of animal bone. Oh. Do they have wood on tattooing? Yeah. Oh, I guess it's a desert planet. I, I, whatever. Um, Let us know on Twitter. Do you think it's wood or bone? All right. Let us know. Comment down below. Rate, uh, review, subscribe. Smash that like button. No, smash the subscribe button. Hit. Don't forget to uppercut that like button. (laughs) 
Don't forget to downward dog that dislike button. Oh, uh, also, um, Anakin gets um, R2-D2. Yes, because... Um, oh, yeah, okay, I want to go back. You keep jumping ahead to Padme scene. Once she gets the hair and she puts it in the jewelry box and she hugs the, like, jewelry box, the camera light, like, she, like, she's looking into the mirror, sees the reflection of 3PO and R2-D2. She, like, looks back at them and, like, there's something really kind of, like, devious in, like, how her eyes look. Yeah. I always wonder, again, that seems so out of place. Because she's like, I got an idea of how to pay him back for this. I'll give him this R2 unit. Oh. Oh, Sanger, you're so clever. Cause he, I know. Okay. Wow. I, I am very uh, short-sighted when it comes to this series. Yeah, because then we, next thing we know, we because, have little... Because they're not explaining it. It's through actions, not through. It's it's showing, not telling. You just, apparently, just don't understand that. See? I'm, get, I'm getting my own uh, philosophy shoved down my throat now. Yeah. Which is good. Uh, no, that, yeah, because he does. She does like this really weird little dance for him, which I think is really funny. Like this weird, like she's just she, like kind of like she she waves to the RT unit, then waves to him. Like this, see this? It's yours. And and, and then and then he tries to hold the the, the hologram. hologram. Yes, with his robot hand, which is even more creepy. <laughs> yes, and next thing we know, he's in his little spaceship, and. He goes off in his Jedi Starfighter. And next thing we know, we cut to montage. chapter 20. No, we're not to the montage yet. Oh, oh, wait. Yeah, we got it. We got it. We, got we, it have, part. we have the general with the twitchy eye and the silly red pajamas. And, and like, he's wearing a onesie, essentially, right? It, it looks like an overly garmented piece of clothing. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he has, like, he has like a cape. It's just how, how it looks. Yeah, it's a cape with a, like a hood. Yeah, it's a All right. But you know what we do have? Ships and atmosphere. Oh, yeah, because he goes to this little spiel. I wonder how many they'll send. We've got so much firepower in here, these walls are race shielded. They can't take this far. It'll probably be uh, 50 Jedi. They'll need at least that many. Or maybe 100 Jedi. They'll never take this base with less. They'll need an army of Jedi. <laughs> I have a visual. Jedi? I think so. How many? A thousand? No. Eighty? No, sir. What? Fifty? Less. Forty? Come on, how many? Two. What? Give me those! A thousand Jedi's are gonna take him on. Yes, and like Zanger said, we have two, we have a few Venator-class Star Destroyers, uh, Republic era, as we see in the shadows of the Dust Plume, Obi-Wan, Anakin fighting. And this riding, was our really... Riding elks, it looks like. Space elks. Out of the Shadow Plume, we see the new renditions of Obi-Wan, Anakin, which would be very similar to what they would look like in the movie, except for the fact Throwing that... Throwing time has passed. Things yes. have happened. Well, yeah, because technically the Battle of Hypori is supposed to take place in the first, like, I think, two or three months of Clone Wars. And this takes place in, obviously, like, the last few days. Yeah. Well, the, the, the montage takes place over, the top, over several years, which I also assume, if you want my canon explanation, this takes place during the time that the other series is happening. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Except my canon. Well, because it's interesting. If you go back and look at look at this uh, video, when we're first introduced to them, again, when they're riding through the shadow plume, and we see them um, riding into battle, and, and the um, the cloud disappears, 
Anakin does not have the scar over his right eye. No, but but when we then because then because we see the part where again, like Xander said, we have the montage, montage, montage of all the battle stuff, weapons. and we see Anakin being a hero of the Clone Wars. And then at one point, we see him land on the platform, which I'm guessing is Naboo. And he has the scar over his right eye, and she's like, "Oh, so sad." Because that was always a, uh, a misnomer with the Clone War series, this one. So everybody thought that Anakin got his scar from facing off with Asajj Ventress on Yavin 4. Or nope. one of the moons of Yavin 4. And that's obviously not true. I remember reading an article somewhere for The Clone Wars, the 2008 series, saying that apparently somebody asked... Because they've never explained how he got the scar. It's never been explained. And somebody apparently asked George Lucas how, and this is like at Lucasfilm, this isn't like a fan question. This is like somebody in the production crew for the Clone Wars sometime when Lucas still owned it, asked him, how does Anakin get the scar? And his response was, he fights Ventress or something. Uh, he like fights Ventress or something. Why are you guys looking into something that deeply? Exactly. Look I mean, he fought Ventress. Basically. So he has the scar, him and Padme embrace, and what? Next next thing we know, I guess, because it shows, it's funny, uh, I, it's, it's a very small moment, though, but after they embrace, we see kind of like the, the tops of the buildings, which I'm guessing is Naboo, and we see one light in one of the buildings, and like the camera holds on like the giant landscape, or the cityscape. The light goes off. One light goes off, which means... Uh, you gotta make me some twins. <laughs> Bomb chicka wow wow. The sexuality in this show. I know, it is very pronounced for a children's show. Uh, but anyway, though, so next thing we know, we cut to Obi-Wan. He has droplets of water on his head as he's trying to rest, and clearly it's raining on the same Oh, we also get this, this the introduction of Commander Cody. Yes. Who has a jetpack? Yes. <laughs> and flies everywhere. Well, I think it's also interesting. He also has lights on his helmet. Yeah. But he doesn't have in the movie. He doesn't have a jetpack or the lights on his helmet in the movie. Well, you didn't need him for that battle situation. Oh, uh, but you need to have different loadouts. I guess. But the thing that always I found interesting is that, like, when we see Anakin, because this is clearly the same planet from the beginning of this. And yet, at the beginning of this, he doesn't have the scar. Yet, when he's sitting down eating the bugs with Obi Wan. I, I assumed it was a different planet. Well, if you, it looks like the same planet. I assumed it. I mean, it's Star Wars, so I mean, you got 50 million desert planets. Well, because if you, you also okay. got 50 million rainy, desolate planets. Well, if you look, it's just, okay, when you see the wide shots of the guy wearing the ceremonial onesie, and it has, like, all the different, like, um, cannons and, and batteries pointing outward, and then after they save the day and they turn the shield off, it gives another like wide shot of of the battle, and oh, maybe not. No, uh, I can't tell. Honestly, I, li live examination. It's saying that it's a different um, planet. It's like Boris Kari Four. <laughs> All right, so I'm wrong then. So it's a different planet. So yeah, okay, I take it back. No continuity error. So the very next thing we know, I think this is a really cool nod to Revenge of the Sith. Think about it. You wouldn't really know unless you were in the, in the know at the time of Revenge of the Sith news. We get a, a single sequence of a Wookiee helping his child hunt on Kashyyyk 
or is not it all now? Chewy. No, no not Chewy. Walking. Maybe it's Kazoo. <laughs> and we see a bunch of uh, uh, battle droid uh, ships and tanks and hailfire droids and the tanks and stuff rolling across the Kashyyyk landscape. And it's funny because that would play a role in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. The Separatists are still winning planets and doing stuff, so... Yeah, because even like, later on they say, like, oh, like, for every system we liberate, uh, the Separatists take over another one. But no, I think that's really I think that's really cool that we get uh, Kashyyyk, considering that it will tie into what goes on. It's in, like the, the, the show was made to parallel and fill in blanks with the next movie or something. Not completely divorced from the saga, like a creative executive at the company currently says. Yeah. That like would go that, unnamed. Like 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 that someone who soft talks and enjoys um Gungans might have ha- played a hand in the creation of this. Or gave it his blessing and liked what they were doing. And said stuff to them, like, oh, you might want to have them do this, because this is what I'm working on in the future. So after we see a bunch of uh again, once again, a montage sequence of all the planets that the separatists are conquering. We cut to General Grievous and Dooku fighting each other, like sparring. Yeah. Yes. And which is something that we didn't like we were supposed to get in the Clone Wars, but we didn't get that we didn't actually get, but we got it in this, which is really cool. And one thing I always found was interesting was that Dooku is very easily able to kind of disarm Grievous. Yeah. And I never kind of got that vibe from uh, I guess Christopher Lee's portrayal, or just the films, that Dooku was that powerful. <sighs> that's like, that's a problem with this is that it doesn't match up with, like I mean, it could be the whole argument of like how when Jedi's truly fight, it's decisive like hits and stuff like that. Like Kobe versus Maul was like a decisive strike, mm. sort of thing. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool just, just to show them developing and stuff and to kind of show their whole, you know, quick relationship to recap since these were, you know, if you're out watching this as a one-go thing, it's recapping that, hey, there's this Dooku guy. He's evil. He's the one that's helping Grievous. Hey, there's this other guy who's a hologram who's not Palpatine. Well, I think it's, again, another thing that's worth pointing out in this that we don't, It's funny how this series doesn't really do it at all, but the other one just constantly hits us over the head with it. Count Dooku doesn't really have any action in this series. No, not not this one at all. Because outside that like very brief duel he has with Ventress, he doesn't ever fight. He doesn't even encounter the Jedi. No, and that has to happen because. Later on, when he encounters Anakin, that's the first time they've run into each other. Yeah. Also, same thing. Um, no, wait. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Grievous. Grievous and Anakin can never meet each other. Yes, because the uh, the infamous line of Anakin Skywalker. I was expecting someone with your reputation to be a little older. General Grievous. You're shorter than I expected. <coughs> Jedi scum. But they something very similarly happens in Revenge of the Sith. Because once again, Anakin says... Because no, Obi-Wan says, we'll do it together this time. And so then, I guess that's the first time they fought him together? No, so like, this, 
Okay, I want okay, I want everybody to keep in mind. Like we said last week in the Festivus episode, Pablo Hidalgo is again, it's it's not that he's wrong. It's who you want to believe. Do you want to believe the number two guy in charge of Star Wars Clone Wars or somebody like Pablo Hidalgo, who back in like 2002 probably didn't interact with Lucas that much? It's it's whoever you want to deal with. Again, who knows? I Maybe it's a misunderstanding, but considering that Pablo is, is some guy just tweeting things, yet there is a Star Wars Insider article that probably had to be fact-checked like, I, if Paul Rudish wasn't allowed anywhere near George Lucas or had no conversations with him, I doubt he would have said, oh, Lucas gave us an approval for this or gave us, like, an in-person approval of what we were doing and connecting it to the films at large. Like, like that's, again, it, it's to each his own, not trying to call Pablo out, but clearly... Pablo, call you out. Come on the show. Defend yourself. But at least kind of explain, like, like how, like, how like, what is your argument against this? It's like, it's one thing to say that Lucas had no involvement with this. Then have this, the guy who was second in charge with the guy who was first in charge say, oh, Lucas gave us his personal stamp of approval. It's like, like after watching it, it's like, what? It's like, I, I don't know how he can say that. I, I guess he figures nobody keeps the magazine articles. And I did look. This article is not available online. I, I typed it into uh, Google. It's no longer on StarWars.com. It's not even on the Way, Way Back machine. So unless you actually have this copy of Star Wars Insider, it's more or less just fairy dust. It's, it's, it's lost the time. But anyway, though. So uh, where, where we leave off, Sanger? Next thing that we would have is the whole. No, wait, 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 wait. no, because going back to Dooku real quick. In the Clone Wars, Anakin, Obi Wan, and Dooku fight all the time. So when Obi Wan makes that comment, "We'll do it together this time," that's even more out of place if you factor in the the Clone Wars. See, it's funny because the stuff that this could be easily fit, and it's like, so you you have one line that it's like, okay, we have to have Grievous and Anakin never run into each other. Then there's other stuff that you just completely ignore when making the other movies and stuff. That's, but like, it's not that you, like, it's, I agree with the first part of that statement. Like, oh, they religiously adhere to the idea that Grievous and Anakin could never meet until Revenge of the Sith. Yet you have that same line of dialogue from Revenge of the Sith where it's like, oh, we could, we'll, we'll, we'll do it together this time. And they completely throw that out the window in, in five plus seasons of the Clone Wars. Yeah. It's like, why are they, why do they follow one thing so closely, yet the other thing's just like, whatever. I, I, there's such a weird sort of like picking and choosing what we believe or like what we're going to follow. Yeah. And because technically one, one is no more uh, impactful than the other. It's, it's not, not like. It's not like Anakin and Grievous have like this super duper like fight to the death in Revenge of the Sith, so that you can't no, have. They barely pre- even like interact with each other. Exactly. They, they like him and Kenobi have this like ancient history of they apparently went to high school together. They've had such, such a long, drawn out thing with each other. Uh, Sarah, give me your best General Kenobi. I've always been trying to master that. I can't do that just right. General, oh man, this is going to be hard. General Kenobi. It's because of the robotic. You're trying to match yeah. that, that cadence and it's hard to do. It's, it's too synthesized. It's, it is. It's General Kenobi. It, like, I can do it, but if I could 
run my voice through something, I can make it closer. Gotcha. All right, maybe next time. So, okay, after they've won, okay, Anakin, Obi Wan go through the uh, sewers after Anakin eats some bugs, which I think is really interesting that Anakin likes to eat bugs. I find that I find that amusing that he eats bugs for fun. Then go through the sewers, blow up the shield generator on this plant they're trying to attack. And next thing we know, they are getting notified by the Chancellor in Mace Windu that there is intelligence that General Grievous might be on Nelvon. General, urgent message from Coruscant. We are most pleased with your performance. Both of you, with your command of the Third Army, I'm sure we are well on our way to achieving victory in this war. But for every system that is liberated, it seems another is taken, prolonging this conflict. We must stop this war at its source. Grievous. We have questionable intel on this, at best. On the contrary, my intelligence assures me that my information is quite accurate. General Grievous has been spotted on a number of occasions, traveling to planet Nelvan, deep in the Outer Rim territories. I am told he is there right now. I do believe Grievous is the key to bringing an end to this conflict. One can only hope. You are to leave immediately. May the Force be with you. Sending us on a reconnaissance mission? This doesn't feel right. Don't look at it that way, Master. Think of it as reconnaissance and force. Your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny how Mace Windu's like, my like, like, uh, intelligence is kind of shaky on this, and Palpatine's like, no, my intelligence is better. Because it's for me. You know, yeah. a chancellor, somebody who isn't a general, doesn't really have anything to do with this war, and is just a figurehead. Basically, and obviously the whole point of this is to get Anakin Obi-Wan off, off, away from the, the main battle, kind of have them, like, isolate, isolate away from the Battle of Coruscant, and plus it's, it's another step in the downfall of Anakin. Yes. So they go to Nelvon, we get some really great shots, which I love, of them on the bridge of the Bank. Yes, Star God, Destroyer, that is, that is with great. The, with the awesome. giant windows. Also, why do they have to bring that many Star Destroyers? Like, they, they bring the entire freaking army and then proceed down to the planet with, like, maybe ten troopers. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, let's bring everything and then go down to the planet with only this little group of people. Well, I guess it makes sense because it's a trap. You, you start with, like, a reconnaissance force yeah. and you take it from there. Maybe this is why they kept using battles. <laughs> but no, while they're on Nilvine, um... They have a bunch of uh, clone troopers. They hear something, a giant, like a, what we call it, Zanger. It's probably, it looks like a fantastic beast. Oops, I lost them. Yes, it is a fantastic beast. Oops, I can't find them. And, and the best part is that, like, it's attacking the clone troopers. And it literally just stomps the clone troopers to death. Yes. Uh, it looks like something from another series. Yeah, it's not very Star wars it. Well, Samurai Jack. It looks very Samurai. Oh Jack-esque. yeah, that that would be it. Yeah, it looks it looks it, it looks out of place for Star Wars, but it's cool. And it's funny how kind of again it is, this part is very Samurai Jack because like Anakin like slices its paw in half or its hoof. Yeah. And then he like leaps up in the air and literally just like impales it through the top of its head. As well, as Obi Wan's like, don't do it. Well, because the creature basically is just, it, it, it's a pet of the Nilvons. Nilvons, Nilvons. And and basically he's telling him, like, don't. Like, it's their protector. Oh, I just assumed it was something that they were hunting. 
Like that that boy had to go hunt to prove himself. Maybe. I, I, well, there's no boys that time because it's a girl, isn't it? No, it's a boy. It's a little boy that walks out. I'm looking at him right now. Because they say there's only women and children. Well, okay. I, I, I don't. You can have boy children. Yeah, I guess you're right. And we see these this race of like, oddly enough, uh, Navi creatures from Avatar. They look very Oh Navi-esque. my god. But they look more dog-like than cat-like. Yeah, but they're blue. They have kind like, of mouse-like too. Yeah, okay, but you definitely get the Navi comparison. Yes, right? I, I do. Once you said that, I was like, "Dang!" What we're saying is that George Lucas is going to sue somebody. <laughs> oh, speaking of George Lucas, uh, a little bit of a tangent here. Did you hear that he's the world's richest celebrity? I I can't imagine why. You know, you know how much he's worth now. This is okay for everybody listening. This is current information. This just was like released in the last couple weeks. You know how much he's worth now, Jorge? How much? Five point four billion dollars. Uh, you know, I just want to use that money to enjoy my time not doing Star Wars. Remember, remember back when he said that he was going to donate seventy five percent of the four billion dollars to education. Has that happened yet? Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I'm not. I ain't too good at math. But I can definitely tell you that 75% of $4 billion does not equal 5.4. <laughs> but, yeah, if, anybody, if anybody's curious, George Lucas is the world's wealthiest celebrity with $5.4 billion. Number two is Steven Spielberg with 2.7. Number three is the Oprah. Number four, I think, is Jay-Z and Beyonce. Uh, they have to combine them because The Rock should be somewhere on that list too. Yeah, I think Rock's like three hundred million uh, or something like that. And I and number five is Michael Jordan. Of course. Yeah, so they have Nikes. It, yeah, but in all uh, the gambling things. Uh, but yeah, good old Jorge is worth five point four billion. I want any Star Wars fans listening when you look in your checkbook and you realize that uh, your balance is just a tad lower than that, and you look around your room and you see all the Star Wars memorabilia and crap hanging around. You're the reason why George Lucas isn't worth that much money. But that's neither here nor there. It's apparently that creature is called a giant Horox. According to Wikipedia. Wikipedia or Wikipedia? I said what I said. (laughs) All right. So we go from chapter 22 to chapter 23. Yoda is sitting in a oddly shaded room. It's a meditation chamber. It's a meditation chamber with really weird, like, the shades don't go down the whole way. Yoda needs to call the installation company again, get them fixed, because clearly they're not keeping the lights out. This is the greatest Im- freeze frame of Yoda ever. <laughs> That'll be the cover, the, 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 the special art of what this episode is. Please do that. I want a statue of Yoda like that. <laughs> All right, folks, you heard it. Get, get in on it. Get on, Statue of Yoda with one arm outstretched going, we must defend the city. Or defend the city, we must. The city is under attack. Defend the city, we must. The city is being, uh, the city is being attacked, and <laughs> you're right, it's a funny scene. <laughs> That's a great though. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great pose. Um, we have a bunch of Trade Federation ships landing on Coruscant, and 
I don't care. Walking I, I, I don't... traffic on the 405 that day being a pain. <laughs> what I think is really interesting, though, is that, like, you notice, like, every time we've seen Coruscant and anything, like, all we see is ships flying around. Yet when this invasion starts, there's no ship. Okay, there's a couple of ships, like, on the ground, but there's, like, none flying through the air. Of course, because they're destroying them all. How can you destroy something that's not there? Because they're gone now. They <laughs> attacked and destroyed them all. Uh, okay. So while they're uh, attacking the city, we see uh, Sicey Tin, or however you say his name, and Mace Windu talking about the fact that his their horn space forces. Yes, they, they're, they're, their space forces are holding, but they need help. Master Windu, enemy starships continue to spill out of hyperspace. Our forces are holding, but they need help. Get up there and take command. May the force be with you. And you. Mace Windex gets into his purple. I guess why he has a purple tight. Uh, Purple, purple Je Jedi uh, Starfighter. And Purple that R2 unit. Yeah, I think that's funny. You gotta you got keep that color branding across all forms of, uh, of of the Jedi Order. Apparently, if you have a color lightsaber, you gotta keep... Mace Windu just really likes purple. We see them fly off into space. We go back to Nelvon. Anakin is riding a giant hamster with antlers as they go to the Nelvon village with Obi-Wan Kenobi. And we see the fact that, like Zenger already kind of pointed out, that Obi-Wan knows is that it's just women and children. And there's their language somehow. Well, yeah. Well, well I, that, sorry, that, that's pointed out that um, you learn some interesting stuff when traveling the galaxy with Qui-Gon While they're there, they encounter the, the what would be the, not the village leader, but what, their... Shaman. Their, a shaman? Yeah, a shaman. The shaman basically sits there, like, throws bugs on Anakin. This time he's not as happy. Oh. Anakin... No, no, he, he, that's, you were skipping ahead. Oh, okay. He, he tells him that, he gives him this whole, like, thing of the ghost hand. Oh, okay. And then Obi-Wan's like, ghost hand? And he's like, oh, right! And then holds up Anakin's hand. Because all the men of this tribe are gone. While that's going on, it's basically just explaining kind of what? You want to lay that's, it out, Sanger? Setting up for what Anakin's going to be up to for the final two episodes, one and a half, two and a half episodes of this show. His, All right, his his whole the spiritual part of his trials, apparently. Mm -hmm. And as we go back to Coruscant, we see a hailfire droid shoot a missile into the side of a building, and C three PO is trying to fight it. <laughs> Must get you to safety. No, we have to evacuate the building. Get everyone to a shelter. Yes, my lady. An army of droids. Here, I'd like to have a serious talk with your programmers. Come on, three PO. We see him yelling at the droids while Padme is talking to Captain Typho. And who, who makes a triumphant? Oh wait, no wait. He was he was on this before. Never mind. Yes. Because he makes a triumphant reappearance. Yeah, a little bit more triumphant than he was earlier. But no, we see Mace Windu as he's in his purple Jedi Starfighter just taking out the uh, droid tri-fighters, whatever they're called, and left and right. And eventually he gets shot down and he has to, he jumps out of his ship as it's like flaming debris and like lands on one of the vulture droids, like digs his hands into it and he starts to like control the droid through its like wires it's just great. It's just like one of those things that's like, this show's awesome. 
Also, no one cares that another R2 unit got blown up. No. Nope. Well, you know, it's really funny. It's kind of, like, that whole thing with like uh, Mace Windu and the Vulture Droid, like he slashes his lightsaber through the top of it, like grabs a bunch of wires and can somehow can control it. Yeah. Like that, I find that very similar to like what happens in like what was it Pickle Rick of Rick and Morty, where like he's like, uh, like yeah, where he, he like uses all the cockroaches mm-hmm. and stuff, and where he like gets the one like the back open on and he's using his tongue to move it around. Basically, it, it's very so. So, similar so what? To that. So what you want is him to go. I'm Mace Windu instead of Pickle Rick. Because you Mace Windu flying around. Basically. But, he has, but Mace Windu is so cool in this sequence, he doesn't have to even do that. Nah, man, he's just flying it. And one of the more comical moments of this, uh, I guess, the latter five chapters is that we have an ARC-170 fighter, and because obviously that ship has a pilot in the back that can actually like shoot people down. It's a three-piloted ship. Yeah, which is really weird when you think about it. The pilot's trying to shoot them down. He sees Mace Windu doing this, and it's like, he, like the, the pilot in front's like, because shoot him down. And Mace Windu just slowly like takes them out one by one. And the pilot's like, great great shot or great shooting. And it's like, uh, uh, General? We've got three on our tail. Now four. Take them out. Once again, the the clone troopers are the comic relief of this by just being so perfectly like we have to acknowledge stuff robotically almost. Yeah, like they're like they are general window. Well, like you said, they're still very robotic though. But even they have to kind of acknowledge the uh, the the hyperbolic stuff that's going on around them and how over the top it is. Because speaking of over the top, we're gonna go to space. Yes. Well, yeah, speaking of over the top. I don't know about you, but I definitely feel the latter five chapters are a little bit more... I think they're more grounded than the first 20. They they, they are. I mean, still with having over-the-top stuff happening, but they're not like... I, I say this, and in a few minutes we're going to be discussing Yoda playing um, Wizard's Apprentice out in front of Coruscant. Yeah, but I, I can buy that for Yoda. I, I, I can buy that. Because the whole point, okay, but when we get to that moment, though, we see uh, Sacy Tin, or however you say his name, the guy with the horns on his head, or coming fixed out like horns. Fixed horns coming Because he, he goes through this, like, unless it's a different character, in some scenes, he ha- one of his horns is, like, lopped off, and then other ones, he has both of them. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess I didn't notice that, though. But no, we see him going out in space. And he sees one of the it, – it's funny. It's worth pointing out, too, that all the Separatist ships are General Grievous's ship from Revenge of the Sith, the Invisible Hand. Yeah. Like they're, they're all that one, yet in Revenge of the Sith, they very clearly point out that Grievous's ship is, is unique in its design. It's the only one that I looks like that. I wonder if that's just something that they – like, as time went on, they, they designed different ones or weren't as forward. Yeah. That. Well, cause considering that they said, like, in the behind-the-scenes stuff for the latter five chapters, that they needed um, they, they, they needed the computers to do a lot of the space battle stuff, I think it's because it's probably one of the first designs that Lucasfilm probably got to them. And they just used that. 
Yeah, because like as if if my understanding of the production of chapters twenty one through twenty five is correct, it's that they never intended on doing twenty one through twenty five. It was right after the first ten chapters airing in the fall of two thousand two was so successful that Lucasfilm very quickly like said, "Quick, we we want more, we want more of this." So they only they had less time, so they had to rely on they had to rely on computers more. It wasn't as um, intricately planned out as the first twenty. So there was a little bit more like, oh, quick, like we need to rush this. Like, like, what do the ships look like? So probably that was the first ship they had, like Lucasfilm had designed at that time. They could give Tartakovsky and Paul Rudish. So it probably was just a thing out of necessity, not because they, they, they were incorrect. It was just probably dealing with the information they had at the time. Because this did come out just two months ahead of Revenge of the Sith. Yep. So as, as one of the Separatist ships comes out of hyperspace... It crashes into one of the Venator-class Star Destroyers, uh, destroying it. Uh, Sicy Tin lands on the ship as it's, uh, like, like I don't know, it's like it's like leaning sideways, yet smoking. He gets all the clone troopers in space gear. He gets Swashbuckler the style goes, we're going to go get ourselves a new ship. General Tin, the ship is lost. It's time to get a new one. Yes, sir. Prepare to board. out how grounded this these chapters feel compared to the first 20 yeah this is probably the craziest thing that happens in all i feel like on a commentary or something they said they wanted to do this like it was oh, just cool something as hell I, I i i forgot to watch the commentary for this but i feel like i remember them saying that like there was like a note on a board or something where it's like they wanted to do this and i'm like because it doesn't do anything for the story just aside from just a cool scene it's never referenced back. So I'm like, I can believe that someone was just like, I want to have a, have a scene of a ton of clone troopers and a Jedi commandeering a ship. Oh, definitely. Because like, like it's, it's, it's basically like, like how they do um, the Nathan Drake series, the uncharted. They make these giant set pieces and then try to get the story to connect to it. This was one of those moments. I feel it's just Jedi takes the ship in space. Yeah, basically. Because, like, like, it's such an, like Sanger said, it's a sequence that lasts maybe, what, two minutes? Uh, it's, it is it is a minute at most. Like, it's so okay. quick. Think about that. I think I said this back during the 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 first ten chapters where you have the Battle of Hypori. And, like, I'm like, oh, I want something like this in a Star Wars movie, whether it be, like, episode nine or whatever. I'm like, I want everybody to think for a second. No matter what you think of episode nine... In a year from now, we all will have seen episode nine. There will not... Okay, I want you to imagine this scene. Imagine we get a scene in episode nine. No idea if this happens. It's going to be sheer coincidence. It's probably not, though. Imagine, because we've all kind of predicted there's going to be a massive uh, space battle in episode nine. Very Return of the Jedi-esque. Can you all imagine a sequence where, let's say, Rey is on one of... I don't know the 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 resistance battle cruisers, and something happens. To that him. isn't being used as a bullet for light speed because they just started doing that instead. 
<laughs> yes. And let's say there's a moment in that where they're about to go into another, like, let's say they're about to crawl, like, the ship is, like, damaged, and it's, quote-unquote, going down, even though it's in space. And Ray's like, we're going to get ourselves a new ship. And she gets all all the resistance, I don't know, uh, fighters in this, they get in space gear, and we get the some a very similar sequence where Ray leads an attack in the, bat, or the vacuum of space against a First Order Star Destroyer, and she commandeers it. I'm just telling you now, I cannot imagine even something half as cool as that happening in Episode Nine. I will say this, I will stand up in the theater and clap wholeheartedly. And I can only guarantee you there will be people that will be like, this is ridiculous and over the top. I don't I don't like that they use this. And that goes back to the whole issue with Star Wars fans right now, kind of how we discussed this a couple months ago. Is that like part of the reason why this doesn't resonate with new Star Wars fans is because it's that, too cool. They can't well, take it. Well, basically, because there would be Star Wars fans that would just attack like there'd be new Star Wars fans. Like again, I don't want to say it would not be the man babies or the neckbeards, but I think it would be the younger generation of fans, the ones that are like twenty years and younger. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying. To, I'm not saying all of them, but I think there would be ones, the same ones that like leave comments on like RoboCop videos from 1987 saying this looks like garbage because the special effects aren't good. It's those type of people that be like, this is stupid. It's like that's that's the issue. You have a new generation. That does not like things stylized. And I, for the life of me, cannot figure out why. Like I said, like that would be like th- like a cool, badass moment if we have a moment where Ray goes out into the vacuum of space and commandeers a First Order Star Destroyer with the help of Resistance fighters. Like, that would be so cool. Just that idea. Like, JJ could execute it any way he wants, but just that sort of just a battle taking, like, that individual battle happening in a larger scale one, that would be like the icing on the cake. It really would. And, this, and the fact that we won't get anything even a fraction as cool as that or clever is so disappointing because uh, uh, they have to destroy another large super-duper space weapon because loyalty to the original trilogy. It's the only way. Yeah, so unless, unless you have complete and utter uh, deference or whatever you want to call it for the original trilogy, you cannot do anything new in Star Wars. You just can't do anything new in Star Wars. It has to be Everything has to be regurgitated. Or else you're not a real Star Wars fan. Everything has to be a callback. Anyway, though, so after that happens, we go back to the present to the, the the planet of Nelvon, and this is the ceremony that I was referencing, where Anakin gets the no, he, no not yet. No, this this is the actual part where you have oh, Kenobi smirk damn. face saying like that. This is yeah, you'll 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 get your moment. Don't worry. This is the actual ghost hand sequence where the elder is like, oh, the ghost hand person will save us. <laughs> and then Kenobi smirk face goes. What's he saying? They're summoning the spirit of the fire. The mother weeps. She is sick. Our warriors have failed. Failed to heal the mother. Into the never-ending winter, a stranger comes. Tell us why he has come. What is his purpose? Old Gazette. Hold us. 
They're saying ghost hand. They think. Uh... Hold Cosette! Hold Cosette! What are you doing? No, it's what you're doing. Then, then, then we get Yoda. Yes, we get Yoda being a, like Zenger said, a god. Just basically, just just Jedi force throwing stuff every which way. Ridiculous. Oh, by by the way, one of my friends is like, this is this point in the thing is where he's like, I can't do this show because of this, <laughs> and I'm like, why? He's like, because it's ridiculous, and I'm like, it is perfect. It is just great because it's just him basically battle orchestrating with the force like it it, it is fr frames from like um the wizard's apprentice and stuff like that like where he's clapping his hands together and then of course he he rides off on that one creature again which you're gonna say the name of it even though i'd love that thing and never can remember its name kai buck yes now after that we get the he gets bugs thrown on him and gets war paint put on him but okay, I, I want I, again. Once again, Zenger did not do the Yoda sequence justice. It's, I wanted to get into your bug paint because you wanted it so badly. <laughs> I all I could think of like that was for a long period of time. Anytime you saw something about the latter like five chapters of this, it was Anakin with his shirt off with the blue the blue bug markings on him. Like that was like everywhere. Me, if it point. was me thinking of the last few chapters of this, it was me going oh shit, and see him and fast forwarding. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. It's just. The action stuff everywhere else is so good, except for there is really good animation done on the Anakin stuff, and I will point it out when we get to it. Yes, but no, uh, going back to the Yoda stuff, how that whole sequence starts off with, we see like an army of battle droids approaching. We see uh, destroyer Destroy. droids. Yes, we have ships coming in space. We have like fighters, and as the camera like pans pans backwards pans out we see yoda on top of like a small pile of rubble as he stands as his cloak billows in the breeze and he slowly raises his right hand and he holds up all the destroyer droids as the tri droids the tri fighters get caught and they all blow up the next thing we know we yoda looks over his left shoulder as we see a couple of mtt tanks coming out of those like Oh God, like T-bone shaped trade federation ships from the Phantom Menace. And Yoda like kind of like tilts his head and strains as he pushes the two MTT tanks and some droids back into the ship. It closes up, scrapes the, like the street as it goes slowly back in the air as Yoda then picks up the another one of these trade federation ships as it's about to land and just crashes them into together at the exact same time. And I can't, as I'm watching this in real time, I can't even keep up with the action as then as Yoda looks up to the sky again. And keep in mind, he's still on this pile of rubble. As off in the distance, we see two an additional two more of these tra trade federation ships about to land. And Yoda just kind of like puts his hands together and slight like and tilts his body at like what an 80 degree angle. Yeah. As he slams the two of these things into each other as the debris falls to the ground. He puts his hands down, and the whole time he's doing this, his eyes are closed. He then opens his eyes alarmed as he does like a running leap onto the Kai Buck as he goes running into battle. And then, as Zenger already said, my favorite part of the entire series comes as we see the the Nelvon shaman putting the uh, uh, like leeches that ooze the goo onto Anakin's chest Hello. and eye scar. As chapter 23 concludes... Anakin rides off into the distance as he complete, completes his uh, spirit quest.
I will say the markings they put on them are really cool looking. Yeah, they're neat. It's, 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 it's a very interesting art design, especially when what's to come comes. Oh, yeah. Uh, of funny, they, they really, I remember when this, like, all the times they've made action figures from this, they always make that figure. Sure, and I don't Anakin. know why. Yeah, Anakin with his shirt off with the blue markings. Because, isn't that what everyone wants? No. <laughs> they want that I, sweet, I they want, want that sweet, sweet Yoda on Kai Buck figure. No, I want the sarcastic Kenobi, because Kenobi in this entire scene has his hood up, doesn't do anything and just sits there and just has this like smirk on his face the entire time. He says this may hurt a bit. Is this really necessary? It's part of their ritual. You must be respectful. You must follow the wind. For it is the mother's cry. Travel her tears. They are frozen with fear. Enter the mother's mouth to awake her inner flame. Anakin, though you've never had the official trials, this war has tested you more than the trials could. Save one. Master Yoda foresaw this. The Force has guided us here for your final trial, the one you've never truly faced. Master, I haven't always been a patient student, but I have proven myself. I am a Jedi Knight. I won't fail you. No, Anakin. Don't fail yourself. May the Force be with you. He doesn't really do anything in this in these five chapters, does he? No, he's he's just kind of there to translate. He yeah, even earlier on, he all he does is like get the little like he dispenses the little bombs out of his like utility Batman pouch and he like spreads them across the room with the force and then that's it. Like he, he has his eyes like half closed through every one of these scenes where he's just like, I'm just here to tell you what you need to do, Anakin. Well he's essentially he's he's exposition. Yeah, exposition Kenobi. I want that yeah. figure. <laughs> Oh dear! So, oh my God! Now I'm going to go to I'm going to go to a convention as Exposition Kenobi. Exposition Kenobi. Forget the Obi Wan Kenobi and the Clone Trooper armor. It's Exposition Kenobi. It's Kenobi. It's just somebody in a Kenobi suit explaining everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it starts with the greatest stormtrooper of them all taking out like just just is a one man army against these guys. Yes, he's getting... Oh, and, the, and then the Jedi take out a few, I guess. Well, you know this is the same clone trooper from um, earlier. It's the same arc trooper, just in different armor, right? Oh, okay. I did not know that. Yes, it's it's the same red arc trooper from chapters 20, or from 1 through 21. Uh, but yes, Alexander says, this. It's, it's Captain Fordo. He's being overwhelmed. His comrades are shot. No, dead. no, no, no. It seems like he's being overwhelmed. He's got that situation under control. But... I always feel that way too, but then it cuts to him saying, fall back, fall back. And then Yoda shows up and goes. Sector 4 needs reinforcements. We are being overrun. Repeat, we are.
Hold your positions! Hold your positions! Hold the line. Love isn't always on time. <laughs> and yeah, Toto reference. So you know, yes, Yoda's fighting the 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 droids on his Kaibuck. Mace Windex shows up as he crashes his droid starfighter into the into the row of super battle droids. And it goes, doesn't blow up. It, no, it doesn't blow up. It just scrapes the. I was waiting down. for it. Like I was like, oh. He starts doing the thing he did during what chapter eleven and what twelve, where he yeah, starts just punching the droids. Yeah, tearing them yes. apart. And then him and Yoda team up, and they literally just like push, push like like the entire bridge full of droids off the edge. They as, keep coming. And they and the clone troopers and them are all kind of doing their thing, and they're pushing them back. The next thing we know, we see a cup of tea as a vibration reverb, a vibration reverberation goes through the table, and we see Palpy drinking, sipping his tea as he watches Base the tea. battle unfold. What? Face tea. Yes, face T. And and Shock T shows up with two other Jedi and a bunch of clone troopers saying that we have to go. General Grievance shows up, which in probably one of the more Yes, General Grievance. And because he has lots of grievances. And he shows up and very comically we hear the Oh, I I love the the like footsteps. Because oh, she yeah. figures, she knows what it is. Mm-hmm. And then his head just pops down. Oh, that's oh! I lo- I've always found that scene funny. That like all of a sudden his head just pops down <laughs> out of nowhere. Come in, Supreme Chancellor. We must get you to your shelter immediately. But the battle is so far off. Please, Supreme Chancellor. We must follow safety protocol and get you to. I will not cower in the face of this treacherous attack. What is that? What is that sound? We have to go now. Hmm. See, it was nothing. Chancellor. Oh wait, this isn't chapter chap. No wait, I this okay. Now I know. It's when Grievous shows up, then it cuts to chapter twenty-four. Oh okay. All right, chapter twenty-four. Yeah, because it's because yeah, because he shows up and that's the end of chapter twenty-four. Okay, and so now is when chapter twenty-four begins. My bad. You had a few scenes of him just destroying the stormtrooper. I mean, sorry, clone troopers. Well, no, you you forgot that Palpatine mouse off to General Grievance. No, he just mouths off to him the entire time he's around, and it's great. Who do you think you are? Chancellor, I don't think... I'll take care of this. I am Supreme Chancellor Palpatine of the Galactic Republic, and I will not be bullied by any thug who happens to... Take him! General Grievance goes completely ballistic on the clone Are you saying it on purpose this time? I would hope you would figure it out by now, so I'm not going to give you an answer. So yeah, so General Grievance goes nuts. Um, he crushes helmets. He's uh, he's all out of bubble gum, so he's kicking ass, and he's just going like ballistic on these on these poor poor God, it was such troopers. A, such a great like violent nonviolent scene. Oh like, yeah, like as well, violent as you could get with this cartoon without well, going highly, over the top. Yeah, it's highly stylized violence. 
highly stylized sanitized violence. Like the crushing the helmet where he like kicks the one jaw and his head goes up and you can see like the actual the person. Yeah. yeah. And I think the best part too is that like, they're hearing all this and at one point they have like a lawnmower sound. Like it's legit. Yes. Just, there, it's just there's legit like a, a lawnmower. chainsaw lawnmower sound at one point that is never explained. Well, it's not explained, but what it is is that like if you watch Revenge of the Sith, when like uh, General Grievous has his four lightsabers and he's spinning yeah. them with Obi Wan, it is a. If you listen very closely, you can tell the Foley artist used a, a lawnmower. Interesting. If you if you listen very closely to that to that sound in Revenge of the Sith, where um, he's swinging his four lightsabers, yeah, it's very clearly it's, it's a lawnmower. While they're hearing all these sounds, the three Jedi and a couple stormtroopers. God. Darn it, got me saying it now, too. Clone Troopers. Also, the thing I enjoy about this series is they have great music in it, but they have also sounds, times where it's just sounds from the, like, Foley art, artists and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's like nothing about but... the soundtrack. And I, I love it, because it's just it's so well done. Then they're wait they're, they're sitting there waiting for the elevator to arrive and they're just pushing uh, the, the one Jedi just the, keeps the one the Jedi just starts pushing the button repeatedly after a certain point. Great. Yes, and, and General Grievance comes out like like he's like leaping on the walls. He busts the door down, and it's funny. Shock T tries like force pushing him into the wall. The Dodge. Jedi, with, you can, the other one does that, and it's not until eventually the Jedi with the four throats. There's a name. I don't know what it is. Literally just screams at him. I love the scream thing because it like it shows like it's like tearing. It's like so heavy of a scream thing. Oh, yeah. And then when they're on the elevator, there's a little remark between Shakti and Palps where it's like, Ithorians, four throats. So I've heard. <laughs> Get it? Ithorians, four throats, quite powerful. So I've heard. And then as they're on the elevator going downward, uh, they're going pretty fast. General Grievance shows up as he's like, very, again, once again, he's, his head just slowly pokes out. And then all of a sudden just faces them. You have the elevator going down and they're watching this like in slow motion almost. Or they're watching it in real time. The, I like how the clone trooper very calm, calmly <laughs> kneels down, pulls out a rocket, puts it in the rocket launcher, and shoots General Grievous at like point blank as it as the entire elevator cabin just fills with smoke. Because nothing bad can happen firing a rocket launcher inside of a glass elevator. No. Like, uh, how, how did it not instantly blow up contacting with glass? But whatever. You'd think, but no, that's not how things work in Star Wars. They end up at the ground floor. Uh, there's a bunch of battle droids as Grievous lands. The same Jedi again starts screaming at General Grievance. But, but he figured out what to do this time. Yes, he learned how to squat down to the smallest, like, 
like smallest amount of surface area possible as he slowly just kind of like inches his way across the 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 ground. Like that's the sort of like creative stuff I want in new Star Wars. I want a a, a race of uh, an alien race that has the the ability to like scream that can actually like lift the pavement off sidewalks. Like that's the sort of like creative stuff. Not another lightsaber fight. Not another like laser gun shootout. I want that, and you have another character that's able to compact himself to the least amount of surface area, so he doesn't get like blown back. Like that is so freaking clever. Like that's the sort of like original ideas we need going forward. Like I don't know what like, it's like. You have so many talented, creative people working at Lucasfilm. Yet you're telling me we've had four Star Wars movies. And we haven't had one sequence even half as clever as this one out of a series that's chocked filled with moments like this. Yeah. Like if I was if I was Kathleen Kennedy, why wouldn't I call up Tartakovsky and be like, we want you to direct, I don't know, uh, insert TV show or movie here. Like the fans love what you did. Lucasfilm got along with you 15 years ago, or at this point, probably like 20 years ago. Like we want you to work on something. Like, considering that Tartakovsky's not really doing much, like, he's done with Hotel Transylvania. I don't know what else he has. Which, that blows my mind that he's involved with that and vaguely explains why I enjoy that show. Movie. Vaguely. (laughs) Like, why hasn't Lucasfilm, the current regime, brought him into the fold? It's like, not because they want him to do Clone Wars 2.0. Maybe he's upset about them basically abandoning it. I can't imagine he cares about continuity. Like he did his job. Like it's not like they like they hid this. This thing was like he won awards off of it. Like they didn't hide this. It's just it's just not a priority. Like most of the Star Wars media is. It's just not a priority for them right now. Like I, I really can't think. Like if I have all the talented people. Like anytime. Like when Colin Madman Trevorrow got thrown off Episode Nine. Everyone's like, oh, who's gonna direct Episode Nine? Is it going to be Patty Jenkins, Ava DuVarnay? I'm like, no, give it to Jenny Tarkovsky. Give it to somebody who's genuinely talented, not a hack fraud. Not saying that, that Patty Jenkins is a hack fraud. I'm talking about another director that was eventually hired for episode nine. But like, can we actually get like, not just brand name talent, but creative talent? Yes. It's a, the only thing I got add a caveat though is that it's going to be heartbreaking when after working on this for like three years he gets fired two weeks away from the day it gets released, and then years later it said it's not continuity. <laughs> oh, dear, one of those is true. The other one is a prediction. You decide which. <laughs> um, all right, so we have that sequence. They're running away from General Grievance. General Grievance's bodyguards show up with their pink little tip lightsabers or, or saber staffs. Staff. And it, yes, I know. There's actually and, a name for them. Yeah, I know. Electro staff. And, oh, okay. and they knock the two, it's funny. I like how they knock the two clone troopers off the side of like the building. You hear, was it the Wilhelm scream? The other thing I love is that the Jedis are like having these troopers help them and then just sort of abandon them to die. Yeah, basically. Kind of like the relationship between the executive suite and the directors at Lucasfilm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keeping it topical, folks. Keeping it topical. 
All right, so then we cut back to Anakin Skywalker as he's riding throughout the, the snow dunes of Nelvon. Because isn't he looking for the mother? Isn't that the whole thing? The mo- like the, the, the mother nature is the, the mother? Yeah, he's got this whole prophecy he's supposed to do. He's yes. trying to hunt, and he's got it. He trial by fire, this, that, and the other. Oh, yes. So Anakin's going through a cave where he hears some noise in the distance. There's a bunch of different, like, uh, steam vents that he's dodging. Trying well, he, to well he has to follow the tears of the mother. Yeah, well, okay, that's what I meant. Yeah, or something. I'm it's, watching this without the sound, so I'm kind of just working off the visuals. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, but I'm like, it's... If, if there's one thing that I don't like about this series, it's the Anakin stuff. It's cool, but it's kind of like, eh. Well, there's a reason why now I really appreciate this. Because I think I've mentioned it before, that apparently at one point... Lucas had a version of Reve- apparently the original cut of Revenge of the Sith, and again I said it before, but I'm gonna repeat myself for those who might not have heard it, is that Lucas had the Anakin's whole like, oh my lord, um, oh god, uh, motivation is and why he goes to the dark side. And the original cut was he was doing it for power. Yeah, and I like that. And apparently Lucas showed it to like his director buddies, and nobody liked it. So he went back and reshot a lot of the Anakin footage from like the beginning of the fo- of the film and made it into less of Anakin wanting power and more that he was doing it to protect Padme. I don't like that. But this is the thing though, is that if you watch the the little the little uh, cave drawing animation, which is really cool. I like Which that. Which is very cool. But I think this is one of our... I think this is what Tartakovsky and the creative team of this was working on, was that original shooting script. Because if you look at if you look at this little animation of the little Nelvon uh, hero man fighting the, the black... Uh, yeah. va- the vine, it's very similar. Because obviously it begins with uh, this little character's arm being bitten off. It's as it fighting goes. the darkness, and then it becomes the darkness. Well, it's power. It's it's that the right arm give the, the the machine right arm gives him power, and as he defeats more and more greater and larger beast, um, it, it starts to consume him. The power is literally consuming him, and we see that because we, it gets bigger and bigger until eventually it gets so large it starts to consume the other villagers and the people it loves. And the last person it consumes is the one he loves. Again, the power thirst is the one that consumes the the loved one it's not him trying to the little stick the little nelvon cave painting is the hero is not it it, it's lover or whoever it is in that drawing is not the arm does not take over take over the little loved one because it loves it it's doing it because the power gets just so overbearing it destroys everything it loves and And i like that because i feel like that was that that's the one thing i have a problem with episode three is the whole because uh, because in the original thing, um, Obi Wan says, you know, he power corrupted him. Yes, and I think that's what it was because obviously it's this whole thing ends. But that doesn't he, work in a story because then it just turns your character into a villain. It's like why can't you just have a true villain? Well, okay, but also, we get- we want to point this out. I love that that when it shows the Vader face, you can hear a scream of Anakin in the background. Yes, because eventually what happens is that the 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 arm grows into the mask of Vader, and we see the we we see. The, it's funny. It's really interesting that we get we get a Vader mask with white pupils. Or no, yeah. What was no not what got, red pupils and a white white. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. 
That, that's really interesting as a creative choice. And then Anakin wakes up from the vision. Well, no, actually, he tears it off. It looks like it's on his face because if you, if there's like a few frames of him like pulling his hands down in front of his face. Oh, clever. Yes. I like that. And okay, as he wakes up from this. As vision, this show continues to show that it is the greatest thing Star Wars has ever done. Then we see that Anakin looks up and he sees this giant like red orb and it's doing it's this giant like just machinery and it's doing something. He looks up and he sees it. And uh, we cut back to the fight between uh, Shakti and the two Jedi versus General Grievance and the great choreography in this too. Once yes. again, no no real speaking, just them fighting the droids and train station. I loved it. Also, oh, yes. I, I like how when they're running into it, it's like ticket, please, ticket, please, ticket, please. and then Grievous just slices it. Well, you forgot the one part where they're fighting on top of like the ship, and Grievous just like lands on it and like cuts its like. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Just sorry, I, I skipped the the before they got to the train station but yes grievous just gets on it's like i don't like being on this ship <laughs> well i like the fact that the one jedi the one that has like the four eyes is like carrying palpy and he like force pushes one of the magna guards back and the guard just like grow like does like an inspector gadget go go, 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 go gadget arm, arm. <laughs> grabs on and i really again I, I think that's clever it's like that's that's cool it's so more versatile in this this show than they were in the movies huh yeah, well, that as, as like Grievous was too. Okay, the movies I get because he's supposed to be damaged, but it's the TV show, the 2008 one, where again Grievous is infinitely more uh, grounded in his powers than he is in this. But yeah, the tra- like Xander said, we're not going to describe the train, the train station sequence. I mean, it's 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 just a ton of choreography fighting. It's it's awesome. It's great. It's a great Jedi fight, lightsaber, yeah. like that. It's got a lot of clever things. With how the trains, you know, they're using them, their advantage and stuff. Both sides are. Oh, it's it's definitely neat. And then um, Grievous is caught monologuing at the end. Yes, and as he's monologuing, Shakti very uh, slyly ties his cape around the railing of a train as it, it leaves. And it literally takes him with it. Ultimately futile. Now, Jedi, prepare yourself, for you are about to leave this world. I don't think so. <sighs> Excellent work, Master Jedi. It's it's a pretty long fight too. Yeah, it's decent size. It's it's cool. It's it's one of those things where again, I wish we got something as a dynamic and fluid with the camera in a real Star Wars movie. But anyway, though, so we go back to Anakin. Anakin's going around this, like, giant base on uh, Nilvon. He's, like, doing all sorts of, like, wicked-ass parkour. Like, he, he is parkouring his heart out. And as he's doing this, he's going around, and he overhears some techno-union scientists talking about experimenting on, on a person or a creature. Next thing we know, like, we see, like, a blueprint of General Grievous in the background. I was seeing if you caught that. 
Oh yeah, it's, it's General Grievous in the background. I think that's it because like they don't really do they say what they're trying to do to the Nilvon people? Are they saying what they're trying to get from experimenting on them? I think they're just trying to get like. I don't think they do actually say. I think they're just experimenting on them. All right, they're trying. being mean for the sake yeah. of mean. Yeah. All right, and so after Anakin hears the uh, Techno Union scientist talking, he turns around and sees a bunch of like deformed Nelvon warriors in like test tubes that are like bloated and disformed. And as he looks, he sees the last normal male being in one of these test tubes being experimented on. And as he sees these, the last guy like in agony of pain, Anakin rushes out into the middle of the experiment, slices some battle droids. The Techno Union scientists like freak out. They're like, "What is he doing here?" Unleash the specimens, but they're not ready. I said unleash them. Have like guns, like, oh god, surgically mounted, like wired into their left arms. And or actually some of them some of them are in their left arm, some of them are in their right arm. Right, yeah. And then these like belt things across their chest. Yes, with a green light. Harness. There we go. Harness. And we see Anakin saying, basically, I don't want to harm you. And uh, we cut back to the Battle of Coruscant. The clone troopers, with the help of Yoda and Mace Windu, are turning the tide in the battle for Coruscant. I, I, I love the, the, oh, well, what about the other plank? The Jedis have that one. Forward! Keep up the pressure on the right! Sir, what about our left flank? The Jedi have the left. We have that great line of dialogue. Which again, it's funny, but not yuck, yuck, yuck. It's, it's, funny. it's funny because it's all of the clone troopers are dead are supposed to deliver stuff deadpan. And that's why it's great. It's because it's just like this deadpan sort of response of just they're they're not being funny, but it comes off very funny. Well, yeah, it's it's deadpan humor. We have Yoda and Mace Windu fighting off all the other droids. While this is happening. Yoda and Mace kind of have a moment where they're like, what, what is the point of this attack? Strange is the enemy strategy. A massive invasion, but no attempt to take the temple or city. Unless an elaborate distraction? To hide their primary objective. Palpatine! General Windu! Pilot! Turn this ship around! Yes, sir! Mace Windu literally jumps... I, there's, there's like a, a squadron of Republic gunships flying above. Mace Windu just literally jumps onto one of them. Is like, turn this thing around. And oddly enough, if you look at the footage of the, of the clone pilot who turns around, that is a Arc 170 again because you can see the, the the gun the gun in the back, and it's not a Republic gunship. Continuity error. Oh no! Zero stars. Unsubscribe. We can't have any continuity Worst errors. Worst show ever. Yes, I am I'm writing a nasty letter to Paul Rudish right now. All it says is, dear Mr. Brutish, zero stars, unsubscribe. <laughs> um, anyway, though, he's going to be very confused when he gets my letter. So anyway, though, we see the three Jedi with Palpy go on to like this. It's like the weirdest like escape pod I've ever seen. Well, because it's an escape pod on a train track. Basically. It's like, well, they'll never figure out where this thing's going. <laughs> Uh, Did this follow the tracks? Whoever designed this wasn't very clever. 
Shakti decides to stay behind to like fend off anybody who comes comes along. The escape pod thing on the track disappears. You, you're you're forgetting a very important thing. Palpatine. Get inside. Get to the bunker. My dear, what about you? I will stay and hold them off. But we don't know for sure if they're still following. Make no mistake. They are coming. Protect the Chancellor. And you. This selfless sacrifice will be long remembered in the archives of the Jedi Order. Well, he, he has a very stoic, like, goodbye to <laughs> it's, it's basically like, well, you're gonna die. I'll yeah, make nice sure they remember kid. what you did. Like, I can imagine Palpy gets onto the escape craft, and it's like, God, how many times does it take to kill that Jedi? What was that, Palpy? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, so as Shakti is there, she sees, which is one of my favorite shots in this, I love seeing the red glowing eyes of the Magna Guards appear out of the darkness as they all, like, march in formation forward. I've always liked that. And I think at this point, it's chapter 25, because we cut back to Nelvon. Anakin is being fired. The, the Nelvon, like, disformed ones are all firing upon him. He's like, I don't want to hurt you, but I'll defend myself. He like don't make me kill you. Yes, and he like force pushes them along a lot of the back. He slices off their like arm, arm. Their robotic arm. Yes. And yet the one the one Nelvon creature that has that was being experimented on yet uh, is not does not have one of these like uh, mind control belts on. Runs over the one, rips it off. And, and this takes far too long <laughs> for Anakin to figure out what's going on. Yes, this creature has to rip about three or four of these things off through like pantomime it's, motion it's, for Anakin to put two It's actually two, two, but I, I'm just like, I understand they had to do it for kids and stuff, but it was like one of those moments where it's like, this is taking way too long. Anakin didn't have a cup of coffee that morning. No, he did not. And then there's this this amazing speech by this Nelvon warrior. Like, just dramatic speech. What? No, it's very holiday special-esque in that we have this very dramatic speech that goes on for like 15-20 seconds and it is Great. all in his language. We have no idea what he's saying. I have a question. How can Anakin hear under because at one point the one uh that hasn't been like like the one that was that guy broke out of the containment uh chamber is like explaining to Anakin about like the crystal and the blue aura around it. Yeah, Anakin seems to understand what he's telling him. 
I think he's just kind of like, since he's pointing, he's kind of like, oh, I gotta go take care of that. Oh, okay. So he, he's getting, he's understanding it through just like the miming actions of it all. Yeah. It's right, pantomime gotcha. that's getting it. It's not like he can literally understand him. It's just kind of just the gestures and everything. He's like, I understand you because of your pointing. If only communicating to different, uh, through different languages was that easy, just this motioning everything to explain elaborate details. Cut back to Palpy with the two other Jedi as they take their uh, escape pod on the train track to the safe house. As it zooms up and down, we then cut to Shop T fighting like a dozen plus Magna Guards as she faces off against them. And at one point, she like loses her lightsaber. Pretty epically, too. Like, like it's it's really well done. Once again, great choreography in the fights. Oh, yeah. And again, she says at one point, again, she loses her lightsaber. She and she has one of, of them that she's behind and it's trying to find her and she's using it as a shield. Oh, yeah. Because she has to because she's getting like, like um, prodded with this. And so she starts using its own staff against them. And then she gets, then, yeah, later on, she gets her lightsaber back. And, but no, and it uses really cool. one of those and the staff. Yes. Because she's like, at one point, she's like using it to like punch through their head, punch through their chest. Because that was a really big thing. I remember, like, in some of the, like, not a big thing, but it was, it was a noteworthy thing in the marketing for Revenge of the Sith with the Magna Guards was that if you, because they had the three lights, you had the, the two on their head and the one in their chest. And even though you see that Revenge of the Sith, it was like, oh, if you cut its head off, it can still fight because it has a, an optical sensor in its chest. Yep. Which is cool. Anyway, though, so we cut back to Nelvon, and Anakin is doing more and more parkour as he's jumping up the different uh, uh, floors of this base, trying to get at the crystal. And we eventually see him there, and he's staring at the giant like contraption in the middle of the room. And we see some Nelvon guards fighting stormtroopers, which is really funny because we see like one like pick pick one battle droid up, really just like rips it in half. Another one just starts like slamming it on the ground. It's it's some great just like savagery versus machinery fight sequence. Something that, again we don't get in Star Wars. Everybody has to have blasters, but um, no, we see Anakin take like a um, Anakin takes like it's on top of like wherever the blue orb is. We see him as he like dangles his legs down trying to get to the the crystal inside. He tries banging the aura open with or cutting it open with his lightsaber. It doesn't work, so he's forced to put his mechanical hand into the aura. As he tries to pull it out with the force, literally, sound of nails on a chalkboard. Well, he has his arm in there because it's not really there until once his arm's in the middle of this blue glow. He grabs the crystal and literally crushes it with his robotic hand. And I guess the pressure is so strong that it literally destroys his robotic hand. It literally blows up the entire uh, lab. tech scientists are trying to escape and you get the best still frame in this entire series in my opinion better than yoda um 
like Yoda's just in a funny pose. This is like a freeze frame that's like if if, if I could get a cell from one of these, which I don't think they're on cells at this point, I think they're digital. If I get a digital like sign like from the artist who did this, it's the one where it's Anakin like gritting his teeth. Yes. Got, yes, it is. I'm like, because it's just so perfect looking. It's it's a creepy image, but it's effective of what it's trying to do. Anakin then goes all like Tuscan Raider village on the Techno Union scientist. He like uh, throws them into the into the group of the Nelvons. He just keeps throwing them off. Uh, he he throws them like off cliffs. He like does all this sort of stuff. At one point, one of the Techno Union scientists tries to shoot him with a blaster. Anakin like force pulls him into the air with his teeth gritted and literally just crushes his entire like neck and like upper body. Yeah. And he does this all with, like, a stump of a mechanical hand. But he uses the force. Then it convinces the Nelvon warriors to all rip off their arms. Well, the yeah, robotic yeah. ones. Yes, one of, the, one of the, the Nelvons that's, like, altered sees him do this. There's a stump of an arm. And so they all rip off their mechanical hands. And with their, their other organic arm that's left, they raise it into the air as they chant. And the camera slowly pans up, look at Anakin, the looking down below. almost down sounds... Like, they're saying Lord Vader. back toward the Nelvon village with all the men that are disfigured. Oh, whatever Kenobi there too, still. Yes, and I like how Ex camera... Exposition Kenobi. Yes, Exposition Kenobi. And I like how the camera cuts to him his eyes just slowly <laughs> open. <laughs> like, like, he is very clearly alarmed by this giant... Like Anakin's leading a giant army of, like, blue disfigured men. Oh, not again. <laughs> <laughs> again, imagine, like, the Navi... To have like to have gained like what four hundred pounds and haven't showered in a few months. Yeah, and shaved. Oh yeah, it's great. But anyway, though, one of the little Navi, Navi, Nelvine girls goes up to the the disfigured Nelvons and like and says some sort of name, which I'm guessing is Daddy, and they embrace and it's cute. And we see Anakin like kind of look sorrowfully at the village, and we kind of have like a nice little celebration as uh, the Nelvon tribe has been reunited. And Exposition Kenobi gives more exposition. You've done a great thing for these people. Well done, Anakin. But tell me more of your experience in the cave. I listened to the mother, just as the shaman said. I was shown a vision. Do you think they'll be able to reclaim their old lives? I sense they will, as long as each of them is willing to accept himself yes i i seriously want to dress up as exposition kenobi now <laughs> it's easy you just dress up like obi-wan kenobi yes but just spout exposition the entire time <laughs> and just have a just smirk on your face too as this is going on we cut back to uh the jedi in their safe room i i've got a problem with the safe room by the way it has a lot of doors so then they're finally in the safe room angriness is there after all the doors close on this escape pod that leads only one way, so if you know where the track ends, you know exactly where to go. Never mind that General Grievous is probably in on the plan. But anyway, though, Grievous is there, 
and the two Jedi fight him. As they're fighting him, though, um, Palpatine backs up, and the shadow goes over his face to where you can only see his mouth, and it's very sidious. Yes. And then while this fight's going on, the, the, all the, the lights go off in the room, and the, and the room is only illuminated by the blue lightsabers. And while the two light Jedi are locked in, have their blades locked with Grievous, he disconnects his arms and, and reveals that he has he can do four arms as he pulls two lightsaber additional lightsabers off his belt, wielding four at once. As he then proceeds to strike each of them down. At this point, Zenger, did we know if Grievous had four arms? No, no. This this was the reveal. Was it shown in the trailer? Maybe. Nope. I wasn't supposed to be, I don't think. Like, this was supposed to be the reveal. Okay. Of gotcha. it. Is this was supposed to be the big, like, um, oh my gosh moment. Gotcha. Right. It was an awe moment. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then we cut back to Shock T. She's fighting off the Magna Guards. She definitely has the upper hand at this point. There's, there's still about, like, what, somehow. a dozen of them? Yeah, somehow, even with all these people, she has the, the upper hand. Yes. And as she's in the middle of this fight, they all stop, and then they slowly start to retreat into the darkness. We get a reverse shot of that shot I liked so much ago, where we see them marching forward out of the darkness. We get now with them marching into the darkness, where all we see is their glowing eyes as they disappear. And uh, Shakti realizes what was happening. She goes racing back to the panic room, and we see there where Grievous has finally struck down the two Jedi, once again, well, I really like something in this to where, like, the droids are droids. So they're programmed to, like, serve a purpose. That purpose is done. And they just sort of are like, like, they, they don't need to continue the fight. They're like, done. And then just kind of walk off. And that's when she's like, wait, why are they? <gasps> I, I really like that about it. It makes perfect sense, in my opinion. Yeah, it's cool. It, it's a little unnerving, too. Especially yes. what it means for Shock T. But anyway, though, Palpy starts mouthing off to Grievous again. Shock T shows up, and Palpy once again has some weird, like, sort of like snide. It's like a weird sort of like remark. Oh, Shock T, thanks for joining us. <laughs> and as Grievous is able to easily just kind of like, uh, what's the word? Dispatch her. And next thing we know, we see Palpy. Not kill her. Yeah. Kind of like a. Uh, uh, paralyzer, so to speak. Well, the and, reason I think she's left alive is so that she can have the message, send the message. Yes, he immobilizes her. You're mine, old man. I'm not afraid of you. You wouldn't dare harm the Supreme Chancellor of the Republic. Whatever would your masters say? You are lucky they want you alive. Chancellor! Shakti, my dear, you've come to rescue me. You're tired, Jedi. You won't be needing this. I've got something else for you. And next thing we know, we see uh, Palpy being escorted up a ramp of a ship by Grievous and two Magna Guards. Mace Windex shows up on the Republic gunship. Grievous's fighter shoots down the gunship mace windu jumps out of it and as he's there as he like lands on the ground he, uh, grievous turns around with his four lightsabers and mace windu just like reaches his hand out and just crushes grievous's chest thereby means- explaining why he has the cough and his chest plates damaged 
Zinger, how is Grievous's cough explained in the 2008 series? I don't know. Did they actually explain it? That is the correct answer. It's not explained. I he thought just, that, that it was kind of alluded to that, that it was like something to do with like him not being properly built or something. It could I'm be. I'm like, bull, bull crap. Maze Windu crushed his chest. Yes. Do you know why Lucas wanted Grievous to have the cough in the movie? Why? I'm pretty sure if I remember this at the time. Lucas had he had laryngitis or something like that. He had he had some sort of ailment which caused him to like almost hack up a lung every single time he coughed. So I think he had I think it was Matt Wood or, or Ben Burt record the cough and he wanted that put into Grievous. Hmm. He thought it sounded cool. I remember reading that at the 2005 time of release. Uh, anyway, though. Uh, one thing I think is really cool, again, as Grievous' ship is flying away, Mace Windu literally tries to jump and catch it as it's flying away. And then tries to pull it out of the sky, too. Well, I think he just he puts his hand up. But one thing I think is really clever, one thing I think is interesting about that scene, that ship that Grievous is, is flying, do we even know what that, like, I don't think I've ever seen that ship before, and I don't think we've ever seen it again. Nope. That is, like, that, like, it's funny... And like so, after so, this makes me wonder: was that possibly this like the ship that Grievous was supposed to have, the one that Obi Wan flies away from Utapau in Revenge of the Sith? No, Did it's Luke, a different ship. I know that, but I mean, though, is that could that have been like the original design, and Lucas changed what would happen in Revenge of the Sith later on? Like, think about it. Look at all the ship. Like, how many original ships are in this entire series that aren't based on anything else in Star Wars? I, th I thought you meant, like, how many original ships are, like, introduced in this? Because, I mean, we're introduced to all these new ships. Haven't yeah. made an appearance yet. But, no, I feel like I have seen that ship somewhere before, though. All right. I mean, I'm just remembering it from this. All right. Anybody seen that ship before from Chapter 25 of Star Wars Clone Wars? Comment down below. I'd like to know where you've seen it before. But... Assuming that has not ever been seen before, I'm I'm inclined to believe that it was some sort of concept design for Revenge of the Sith that Lucas chose not to use. So I'm inclined to believe that it was something that was scrapped that would probably was designed for Revenge of the Sith. But anyway, though, we see um, Mace Windu goes back to the safe room and and he sees the two Jedi dead and he sees Shock T tied up with like the electrical. The electrified, like, what, wire? Sure, and, let's go with that. Yes, and she basically says, like, I failed, and that's it. And the only thing that really bothers me about this safe room, much like Zenger was saying, you notice to get into the safe room, like, there's, like, okay, five yes, or yes, six this doors. Is, this is what bothers door, me. There's one back yes, door. thank you. Thank you. It's like this place they traveled to, it took all this time, but if you actually went this other way, it's, like, just one door. You know what that reminds me of? Remember that Simpsons gag where like Mr. Burns and Smithers like go through like all the doors and then yeah. they go to like, the control room and it's, and it's like like a broken screen door with like a stray dog in there. Yeah, yes, that is that is exactly what this reminds me of. And then the last the last uh, scene is Anakin is behind his Jedi starfighter. Uh, R two D two is helping him put together his arm again, and they're obviously R two is asking him some questions. And Obi-Wan's 
Obi-Wan is giving him. He's not exposition Kenobi. He's spiritual mentor Kenobi here. No, I too. There are things that are far more painful. You weren't in the med lab. I thought I might find you here. We're just finishing up. See? Good as new. Anakin, the most difficult trial a Jedi must face is to look inside oneself. Often we see things we don't like, but these aspects are not set in stone. It is our decisions that shape our destinies. An urgent message from Coruscant. Patch it through. Kenobi, Skywalker. Coruscant is under siege, and General Grievous has abducted the Supreme Chancellor. You must return immediately. You must rescue Palpatine. Grievous. Battle stations. All crews of their fighters. Prepare to jump into hyperspace. Move! As we see, the final shot is a pullout of the giant Battle of Coruscant, which will lead directly into Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. And so ends Star Wars Clone Wars the Micro Series. And this could it, still work. This could still work in as continuity. Until next year when Star or Clone Wars Saved completely pays over it. No, man. Then they just re-edited that last scene to where they're called to go to um Mandalore instead. Leave me alone. <laughs> oh dear but Zenger we did it after six months we finally finished our micro series I can't wait to do it next year again <laughs> another six hours devoted to this series yes considering that each of these episodes is like two hours long this one two hours and 15 minutes long it's going to be roughly six hours of, of discussing this yeah. uh, but one question I want to ask though is that this is like, perfect the, yes yeah, well that's not really a question now is it no. But my question is, like, considering that we, next year we are getting Clone Wars saved, how close do you think are they going to tie it into Revenge of the Sith? Mm. Are they going to do it? Knowing that the opportunities that, that the, no offense to the Clone Wars series, but knowing that the opportunities they've had to make things correctly tie in and well done, I feel like they're just going to muck it up. So, like, what do you, like, okay, so we basically know what's going to happen. I just feel like there's going to be a point to where it's just going to be um, Grievous and him staring each other down at one point. But then they have to, I'm just joking, actually. No, but, like, okay, but my question is, do you think they're going to do with this, where it's literally, you could, you could finish watching this and put Revenge of the Sith on, and it makes perfect sense. Do you think they're going to do that again? Or is it going? To I hope so. That's what I love about this series is that you literally can turn this, like you can go directly from this into the into the movie, and it works. It per works perfectly. Well, well, my because again, we know what's going. Again, as much as everybody was excited about Clone Wars Save, which to this day I still can't figure out. Like we know what's going to happen because we have the Siege of Mandalore. Ahsoka and Rex are there. During Clone War Saved, we're supposed to see Order 66 from Ahsoka and Rex's perspective. So Clone War Saved is going to take place during the events of Revenge of the Sith. So it's not. So that means the last few episodes are not going to have Kenobi or Anakin in them. No, like what's good? Like this is how. Okay, I think I've, I've, I think we talked about it on our Clone War Saved episode is that how it's supposed to happen is. Obi-Wan and Anakin are sent to Mandalore to handle Maul. 
Ahsoka somehow gets roped into it. I think Rex calls her or something. She gets roped into it, and they're, the battle is going on. Like, she's sitting there, and she's like, I was one day away from retirement. <laughs> no, she doesn't die. Well, Ahsoka's not even dead. Ahsoka, this, oddly enough, Ahsoka lives through the, the Galactic Civil War. Oh, no, I know. I'm just Ahsoka's saying that oh, it's, yeah, it's the comedy of, uh, I was one day away from retirement, and then they pulled me back in. At some point during the Siege of Mandalore, Obi-Wan and Anakin are going to be called back to Coruscant. Like, that ha- Like that is a... That scene has uh, to happen. you guys want to come back to Coruscant, maybe? Dave Filoni has said, what hap- the only reason why Maul is able to live is that uh, Ahsoka and Rex have him cornered, and that is the exact moment Order, Order 66 happens. And they are uh, they are posed with the question or the dilemma of yep I've heard can, this we can kill Maul or we can try to get out of here and that's what it is and so they in order to survive they have to let Maul go so and there's also the thing it's like okay uh, Commander Cody we don't know what happens to him like we see him on Utapau but my question is is again we we all sit there we 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 worship the Clone Wars 2008 though but if Anakin Obi Wan we're in the middle of the Siege of Mandalore, and they get called back to Coruscant. Why is it that after the Battle of Coruscant is over, they hang out on Coruscant for how many days? I think about Obi-Wan. Like, think about it. If Obi-Wan was in the middle of Mandalore, why would he go off on the Utapau mission? Why, would Anakin, why wouldn't Anakin go back to Mandalore? Why would he, why would he just hang out at the temple? Oh, like, like, if you have this giant battle on Mandalore with Darth Maul, why would this hang out? Like again, I, I this is where the micro series makes infinitely more sense. Again, again, not to pick on Pablo Hidalgo again, but this thing of uh, Nelvon wasn't George's vision for the end of the Clone Wars. It's like this doesn't make sense. It's like there's so many. Like they can do whatever they want. Like it's the whole idea. You can write over continuity any way you want, though. But essentially, they're either got to do some major mental gymnastics to uh, make. Revenge of the Sith makes sense now in retrospect. Right? Right? I'm not crazy. Alrighty, Zenger. Anything else you want to say about this show before we put it to bed? Uh, no, I'll say more about it as the year goes on, as always. We did it, folks. We wrapped it up. No more Star Wars Clone Wars. Uh, we'll definitely, you'll definitely hear us complain about it. Come next year when Clone Wars saved is released, you will definitely hear a lot of complaining. Until next time, so concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader Star Wars podcast. Check out our Facebook group, type in Knights of Vader into Facebook, and chances are you will find it. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to An Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out their latest album, Semi-Perfect Yet Sublime, available on Bandcamp, Spotify, Pandora, and where all other digital music can be heard. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. Zenger, where can people find you? Uh, you can, of course, find me on the Zingness podcast every Thursday. Listen to it before you listen to Nights of Vader. All righty, everybody. <laughs> I hope you have. Uh, we'll see you next year. And we wish you all a happy new year and a belated festivus if you missed last week's episode. One. Yes, don't worry. There'll be another one next year. I'll be even angrier. Oh, boy. May the feats of strength continue. Alrighty, everybody. Happy New Year and adios. Next year's the year of Star Wars and I'm out.
Quinn. Shush for one second. We're almost done. Ask her if Crimes of Grindelwald looks like Harry Potter. Hey, does Crimes of Grindelwald look like Harry Potter, Quinn? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Zanger, your kids are great. <laughs>